Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 259 of At Odds With Wrestling. Is that correct? Sure. I just go by what it says on your screen. It's actually 256. I'm not doing a retake on this, just so you know. Ah, it's all right. It's, all it's right. in the 250 somewhere. 256. So I had 256 in the, in the text file, but I had it wrong in the subject line of the email that I sent to myself. What is it in the legacy numbering? 256. Oh, okay. Like... I get that confused because I know we started off with a shiny new number one, but then for the anniversary issues, we, we went to the higher number. It's all a money grab. That's true. Um, this is the one I don't do by date. Long box heroes. I do by date and number, you know, uh, huh. these ones I just do by number. Um, I don't know why I did that. Listen, I just go with what you do. I, I don't, uh, you know me, I'm easy going. I don't try to shoehorn any of my stuff into the pod. I just go with the flow, you know? No, no, you don't <laughs> shoehorn any of your stuff in, right? How many? No, not not at all, not at all. No. I'm just a, I, I'm just, you know, you you steer this ship, Joe, and I'm just along for the ride. So it's going to be a real weird show um, today. Um, yeah. I had a couple things planned that I was going to play, but like I can't play them now, and I'm not going to play them now. Um, and I had stuff that I was going to play. Um, but yeah, there's a couple things. Yeah, we'll get to it. Um, again, I, no time for banter. Let's just kind of get right into it, huh? Yeah. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about how our weeks are when we get into our week, huh? Mm-hmm. And now, At Odds With Wrestling presents This Day in Wrestling History. All right. Uh, so this day in wrestling history, in 1985, and I know Adam's going to say that's before wrestling happened, right? This is true. Yeah, I don't acknowledge uh, any of this stuff. There was a house show at the Philadelphia Spectrum. Now, again, it's 1985 for World Wrestling Entertainment. Uh, this is when Boston Garden, Madison Square Garden and Spectrum were shown on their respective sport channels in their cable networks, right? Yeah, which seems like such a foreign concept to anybody that's not an old like us. Right. And you would get, like, angles that would be specific to those things. Um, you would get, you know, whatever. Um, but the reason that this is in here, you know, and obviously the Madison Square Garden ones, you would get, like, Hogan stuff, Right. Mm-hmm. But this was in the days where you would get title changes on house shows on the regular. But is it technically a house show because they are filming it for that particular cable network? And then they end up showing out of the syndicated programs anyway, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but this particular house show is the house show where Brutus Beefcake and Greg Valentine, the Dream Team, won the tag titles from the uh, U.S. Express. That's news to me. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like honestly, I didn't okay. know Jake and Valentine were a tag team. <laughs> right, but I th- this is a tag title change that, like, I remember. This might be the first title change that I re- like I watched as it happened. Okay, uh, Tito beating Greg Valentine for the Intercontinental Title. Uh, like it's kinda, but I don't remember watching that one. But I remember watching this one. 
Um, it was just one of those things where, like, oh, Tito has a broken up title, and they just showed clips of Valentine smashing up the title. I think it happened, like, Andover, Maryland, whatever. But I think this is the last time the titles during, like, the 80s era, right? Mm -hmm. uh, this is the last title change that happened at the Spectrum. Okay. Yeah. I was I was five years old. I was playing with Transformers. I wasn't watching no wrestling. Well, listen, I was eight years old. I was playing with Transformers and wrestlers, you know? <laughs> You're more advanced. Yeah, but, like, and, and even if you just look at the card here, as I have it in front of you, um, this, and, and people would always say, like, ugh, Hogan, when he would always be at the Garden, the main event, like, Hogan would be the main event, but his match would always be, like, right before intermission. Yeah, you gotta get on the road. Well, okay, you got to get on the road, but the thing is, you, like, if you look here, Paul Orndorff versus Roddy Piper is technically the main event of the show, right? Okay. Okay, the last match that goes out is Bret Hart versus Rick McGraw. But Piper and Orndorff is the match that sold the tickets because you do your main event, your big money match, and you would go to intermission. And then right before the main event, the last match, they would go, we are returning to the Boston Garden, the MSG, the Spectrum on this date. Uh, and you're going to see these wrestlers in action. And they go through, they go through and go through. And then whatever that match was right before intermission, you would get the rematch or you would get like the next chapter or it's like, oh, they did the match here. And next time it's going to be the tag match of Orndorff and Bruno versus Piper and Orton, or it's going to be the cage match or the, whatever it is. Tickets are on sale now. And now it's time for Bret Hart versus Rick McGraw. <laughs> they want to start selling the tickets app, but not wait till after the show. So they're not there until like midnight or whatever. Exactly. Got ya. And people would accuse, like, oh, that was just Hogan. No, that was the way WF did things forever. Gotcha. Listen, but, far be it from me to defend Bad Terry. Yeah, no, I was going to say, I mean, if you don't leave early, there's no way you can wrestle 700 times in a year with the time zone changes. Mm -hmm. <sighs> I think he's changed it recently to 400. Okay. Which is still suspect. He's getting modest in his old age. Well, I don't know if you saw the clips of the uh, Joe Rogan interview today. Not so much. I try to avoid anything Joe Rogan related. Yeah, me too. But like Hulk Hogan being interviewed by Joe Rogan is like the perfect confluence of like lies upon lies upon lies and <laughs> stupid people upon stupid people upon stupid people. And I've seen a lot of the clips filtering through and I'm like, oh, I couldn't take a whole like three hours of this. Like I would have to like. You know, never listen to podcasts again. Yeah, which is odd because Joe Rogan's usually a does his own type of research kind of guy. So you'd think he'd call Hogan out on some of that stuff. Um, hmm. <laughs> yeah, I don't know about that. And Joe Rogan research is not something I would put my money on. Oh, all right. It's 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 his friend Jamie using Google and like them all being shocked by it. You know. Mm hmm. All right. So, hey, also on this day of wrestling history, 1994, uh, World Championship Wrestling held the Clash of Champions. Uh, this was the second Hogan versus Flair match in WCW. Okay. Uh, Flair wins this one by countout. 
Um, this is actually a really stacked card. Like, I don't know if, like, in-ring quality it holds up, but until his, like, WWF return in, like, 2008 or whatever it was, this is Ricky Steamboat's last match. Okay. Uh, he has the match with Steve Austin for the TV title, or the, the U.S. title. He beats Austin, and then at the next pay-per-view, in between, like, this match and Fall Brawl, they diagnose Steamboat. He can't wrestle anymore. Steamboat relinquishes the title to Austin. They have the mystery opponent of Jim Duggan come down who squashes Austin. So uh, Steamboat never did any actual wrestling in Ring of Honor, just did referee stuff? Yeah, he did. Like They advertised it as a CM Punk and Ricky Steamboat are going to have a confrontation. Ah, that's straight out of the Vince <laughs> playbook. <laughs> like a couple weeks ago on AEW when they did, like, it really sounded like they were going to do a match between Jerry Lynn and Jungle Boy. But yeah. then, like, when the graphic came up, it said that Jungle Boy and Jerry Lynn are going to have a confrontation. <laughs> Somebody thought better of whatever was planned. Yeah. Um, also on this show is Dusty and Dustin Rhodes against Bunkhouse Buck and Terry Funk. For a variety of reasons, there's a t- there's a Dusty Rhodes promo that builds up to this that I had in the hopper to play today. But I think for all of us, it's best not to play. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. Yes, yes. Um, and just to hop around here, I'm not going to go over the whole card, but this day, Wrestling History 2003, uh, SummerSlam was held in Phoenix, Arizona. This was the SummerSlam where they had the Elimination Chamber. Okay, uh, but in my opinion, the reason that this SummerSlam is held in such high regard uh, is this is the one-time wearing of Triple H wearing like the longish bikers with the higher waist. I I don't remember this for whatever reason. Like Triple H's gear changes don't uh, stand out for me. So this one was very noticeable. Like you know, like so ninety nine Triple H goes to like um you know like regular trunks, right? Uh huh. Because he had wore long boys his whole career up to that point, and then from ninety nine up until you know his last match, he wore trunks. In this match, and this match alone, he wears, like, longish bikers that tuck into his knee pads. And they're, like, not as high-waisted as the tights that Shawn Michaels wore at SummerSlam 93, but pretty close. Um, And if you look at Triple H on the build to the SummerSlam and Triple H in the SummerSlam, um, I I will say this. Uh, let me ask my friend Marcus, what did Triple H need going into this match <laughs> at SummerSlam? I need anabolic steroids from this doctor right now. <laughs> anabolic steroids is a logical next step. So let's say Triple H coming back from the quad tear in January of 2002 um, was on a very healthy diet of food. <laughs> and saw- uh, it caught so- up with him at this SummerSlam. I get Neo. I mean, that's one way of looking at it. I also think that sometimes wrestlers just want to change up their gear for no kind of nefarious reasons or to hide any kind of body issues or whatever. Just like when The Rock was wearing the Adidas like outfit, that was just a it was just a choice. Like I don't know why we're assigning any kind of uh, you know ulterior motive to it. 
So I will give it to The Rock. At, you know, and obviously that was to cover up some surgery and stuff that he had done. Like, listen, what? but The Rock, that ended, like, you would, cons- I would consider the Adidas tracksuit look of The Rock to be one of his, like, let's say top five signature looks. Because he wore it for, like, five months, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Triple, H wears, Triple H wears this gear one time. Yeah. Like I said, I have no memory of the gear. Like, it didn't stick out, you know? I'm not going to pull it up when it's, when you're done. It's not, it's not brown It's not brown trunks of Shawn Michaels. You know, no. Little Dutch no. boy hair. No. That was an actual choice. I think Triple H wearing this gear was um, a medical necessity. Yeah, I got to hold it all in. Yes, exactly. <laughs> all right, so now it's time for our head-to-head Monday Nitro versus Monday Night Raw 25 years ago. And Adam, I got two clips from each show. I'm going to let you choose. Are we starting with Raw or are we starting with Nitro? Uh, Give me some Nitro. All right. So as you remember from last week, we had the triumphant return of the Ultimate Warrior who went out there and cut an 18-minute long rambling promo. And you would think after the abysmal confusion that we saw the following week, they would say, hey, Jim, tighten it up a little bit. Hey, Jim, let's bring it under time. Hey, Jim, maybe, you know, stick to the format. You would be wrong, Adam. <laughs> now, I'm not going to play the full 10-minute promo, but okay. I am going to play at least four and a half minutes of it. Uh, all right. <laughs> I hear you. Blown up. Patience, warriors. Patience is a great virtue. Be patient. This promo will end soon. <laughs> the worst part about these. You, Hogan, miscalculated. For you never assumed someone would come forward that knew the difference between a rebellion and a revolution and that Hogan will become your gravest mistake what is the difference for tonight Hogan everything that you revere is now from this moment forth threatened tonight Hogan your entire world is going to turn completely upside down for tonight for tonight Hogan I launch unleash the power of the warriors I let loose the OWN revolution the one warrior nation Revolution! That's the thing about Warrior promos. He takes pauses and can always comment on the thing. Yes. <laughs> That's the biggest problem with these is there's so much dead air of him just roaming around. A hero! A one-time hero with an unlimited yet undisciplined mind is a dangerous thing. I intend the Warriors intend to eradicate that danger. 
you, Hogan, will be destroyed. I intend... So many plants. Plant signs, plant guy in the front row with the, sh- the shirt. Mm-hmm. I intend to show the world that a revolution is built on better ideas, not belligerent idiocy. <laughs> Irony coming from uh, Big Jim I here. I intend to show the world a revolution is based on magnificence, not malfeasance. I intend to show that a revolution is based on courage, not cowardness. Somebody got a witness. He got a word a day calendar for Christmas. That you need to know. Next week, Hogan, the revolution continues. Same warrior time. Same warrior place. Same warrior channel. So, <laughs> the one bit of direction, the, the, watching this video, do yourself a favor, go go follow on this day in WWE, great account, where I get all this stuff from to play on the show. Um, the one thing that I was transfixed on was, if you noticed, Warrior is not holding the microphone in front of his mouth. He's holding it, like, to the side of his face. Mm-hmm. Whether that was a conscious decision or direction given to him of don't yell into the goddamn microphone. <laughs> By the sound guys, production or whatever. Someone. Yeah. Um, but I will say it does take them a couple weeks before they realize, like, hey, let's not have the warrior go out there and ramble for 10 minutes. Let's do heavily pre-produced skits involving magic. <laughs> He's basically got the same notes as MJF got a couple months ago. Oh. <laughs> um, and he, I will also say this. I think there was a tra- time traveler involved this time. Warrior was much less broken Matt Hardy than he was last week. Yeah, no, definitely. <laughs> um, and the only other thing is, Adam, one Warrior Nation. Uh-huh. It's NWO backwards. What? How did I not notice this? For real? It was there in front of me the whole time. No, I noticed that. Oh, I was going to say. And then for a one warrior nation, I think he ends up having two other guys join him. So again, it's like the three warrior nation. But again, Uh, I would ask who's in there other than. uh, All right. Don't don't tell me because we'll get to when we get to it. But was Beefcake one of them? Yes. Okay. I don't remember who the other one was. Maybe it was Horace. Was it Horace? It, you're correct. It was Okay, then I know. Never mind. It was Horace. <laughs> what now, a stable. <laughs> what now, a uh, monsters. Right, exactly. For, and that's the thing. We don't even get the pay like we we get this nonsense on TV for another two months. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> so on um, let's let's tune over to the good side of Nitro, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, if you've been following the exploits of a young Christopher Jericho, uh, he recently, uh, with the help of the the giant, excuse me, the giant, thank you, de- defeated Stevie Ray for the television title. Now, uh, I think we talked about it a couple weeks ago. It's this episode of Nitro where Stevie Ray joins the NWO. 
Okay. NWO Hollywood. This week on Nitro, Jericho is defending the TV title against fellow NWO Hollywood member Kurt Henning. Let's okay. see how this let's see what transpires. Giving it their all here for the television championship. If we come to the end of the time limit, the bell rang. Apparently, fans, we have now. They're still going at it. They're still going at it. Oh, that's the time limit, <laughs> we've been told, has expired. Ten-minute time limit, as you know, for the television title here on the Nitro. And as the referee was shoved away, the storm... Something's happening. Oh! oh it, it's the Giant again. Every time Jericho's involved in a matchup, the Giant comes out to the ring. What does this mean? I don't know. I, I don't know. I, you know, it, we it have... It only happened once our, before. Our many ways that we can. <laughs> Every have, time. Uh, approach Jericho is this. Can we read more into it? But looks the so fans, good. now remember, Hennig is on his team. Oh. He shoved Hennig down. And they're both NWO black and white. Now, there was no chokeslam, although the fans thought there would be. But Jericho escapes. What does this mean? What is his connection with the Giant? Uh, and obviously, it's something that uh, Hennig was not aware of, because look how shocked he is. Look at his face. He can't believe it. Dumbfounded. Is this a niche in the armor? Could this be dismantling NWO Hollywood? I think the reason, if I could say here, has to be personal. It must be something that transcends the NWO black and white, because it's nothing that Hennig's in on. So, so go ahead. Uh, I was going to say, are they trying to, I mean, I don't want to give WCW credit for trying to be subtle about anything, but like, are they implying that members of NW Hollywood are trying to protect Jericho? Okay. So Adam, that's the, that's a great question. This segment raises so many questions. Is the giant leaving the NW Hollywood? Is Jericho joining? Is there, is there splintering within the NW Hollywood after we've already seen the NW splinter for the Wolfpack and Hollywood factions? This segment raises so many questions, Adam. I'm sure they'll all get answered satisfied. Like this is the last time this segment is the last time any of this is mentioned on TV. <sighs> of course. <laughs> of course. The- WCW, everybody. Uh, yeah, I was going to say. Now, again, we're not going over the full cards of everything, you know, of course. Um, but uh, over on uh, Monday Nitro, or Monday Nitro, Monday Night Raw, uh, you know, 1985, this day in wrestling history, there was this uh, the house show at the Spectrum where the Dream Team won the tag titles. And now here we are 13 years later. It's the go-home show for SummerSlam, right? Uh-huh. Um, and in the build, of course, you know, we got our top of the card, guys. We got Undertaker. We got... Austin, we got Kane, we got Mankind, and again, what better way to build up the pay-per-view than this segment here involving some of those participants? And again, this is more visual, but again, gotta keep, uh, if we can get a Foley segment in here, I absolutely are gonna, am gonna do it, you know? The yeah, center is sold out, has been for months. What a great city, the city of brotherly love. Look the giant inflatable Austin, Austin outside. Inflatable looms over the outside, but I can't believe this. Watch, watch him get the ring. Oh! God, what a highway the hell ride that was. What is he doing I don't back understand here? This. I don't. He should be in a hospital right now. So, 
It was cahoots all along. <laughs> a good scum cub scout should always be prepared. And oh, my warm-hearted cub scout leader, Mr. McMahon, he warned me Kane was no good. And I tried to believe it wasn't so. And now that it is, well, Mr. McMahon has offered me my chance at redemption, and redemption lies right above my... So it gets cut off there, but Kane and Undertaker are the tag team champions at this moment, and the main event of this Raw is Kane versus Undertaker in a Hell in a Cell match. Hmm, okay. So they have, since the King of the Ring SummerSlam, uh, King of the Ring Hell in a Cell match in June, okay... This is the fourth Hell in a Cell match that they've done on Raw. <laughs> Gotta win those ratings. I I guess, man. But, Adam, something bigger happens on this Raw. Okay. Something something more monumental. It's something that you've been waiting for. Oh, yes. Oh, I don't know if you can hear it. Rubbing my hands together. So, again, from, from Inception... To finale here, well, not technically the finale, we do get the payoff to all of this eight months from now, again. But it's time for the finals of the Brawl for All, as Bart Gunn takes on Bradshaw. Ooh, wonder how it's going to end. Let's keep your punches up, no headbutting, elbowing, or kicking. I want clean breaks, you have five seconds to break if you don't, I will deduct five points. You see five points for the most punches landed per round. Five points for a takedown, ten points for a knockdown. Mandatory eight count is in effect. Go to your corners and the bell rings, come out fighting. Good luck. Let's go, guys. A lot of eye Last contact one, let's there. Let's go now. Jeez. A lot of eye contact. Both men are trained very diligently for this contest. There come them left. Oh, Bradshaw cannot stand flat-footed and absorb the punishment of the punching power of Bart. Oh, oh, oh. oh. Here he goes. Here he goes. <laughs> Gun is something Three. else. And then Jeff got in there. Bradshaw dropped his hands Five. and then bang. Man. Six. Seven. Can he go? Hey, are you okay? Are you okay? You okay? Let's go. He's not okay. Well, this may not last much longer. Oh, <laughs> in this business and earned it every step of the way. Hey, he t- he knocked out some tough SOBs to get here. You ain't kidding. These are some of the toughest guys in this business, folks. I'm no tough guy, but believe me, these are some of the toughest people in the world. Are you going to see this anywhere guy. else? Nowhere. Absolutely nowhere. You've got guys with the cojones to get in this thing, and then you got one guy cleaning everybody's clock. Unbelievable. Let's take a look, take a look again. Here's the first knockdown. I'm telling you, Bart got in that shot, and then Bradshaw's hands went down, and that was the end right there. Lansing blow. Let's see the big one. Take another look at slow-mo right here. Right there. The left hand. But watch this right. He didn't do him any favors with the right. (laughs) He was unable to protect himself. a big, tough son of a gun, let me tell you. You love to see it. You know, like like I said, Bradshaw's the type of guy, like, he's 
he's like probably been in a million fights, but it's all in bars against drunks or assholes that mouth off. Be like, oh, you're a wrestler. You think you're tough? Like, it's nice to see him get beat up by somebody that's like tougher than him. Well, you know, and again, it's if if you believe the rumors and the the dark side of the ring and everything else, this was all set up because Bradshaw was always running his mouth. Yeah, and Russo pitched this as a way to get Bradshaw to shut up to prove that he's not the toughest guy in the locker room. Yeah, thank and you, Russo. <laughs> and he's not. He's not the toughest guy in the locker room. But again, my favorite part of this is they bring in heavy fight expert, pilled up Shawn Michaels. <laughs> well, also a man who's been in some street fights. You know, yeah, usually he's right. outnumbered like twenty to one, but you know he's been, he's seen some shit. But as much as a hard time as I give Shawn Michaels, and rightfully so, like, he's trying there. He's like, this guy's a star, and, like, this guy punched his ticket, and he's going to be a big deal, and then he doesn't show up on TV for several months, and they send him to all Japan, and, uh, you know, Mm -hmm. um, like, after he knocks JBL down, um, they don't show it on camera. They cut real quick to show JBL, like, knocked on his ass. But Bart Gunn goes over to the commentary side, and he says something to JR, and I really want to know what he says to JR. Oh, I thought you were going to tell me that, like, it came out, like, oh. No, no, no. Like, <laughs> like I don't know, was J- was JBL a Jim Ross guy? Or vice no, versa? but this... But it was because, you know, you know, Bart beats uh, Dr. Death. Yeah. And the rumor was that this whole thing was set up so Dr. Death could win and, you know, be positioned as a big time contender as a, as a, against Austin. Right. And there was no way they were going to like even if even if Dr. Death wasn't in this. Right. And even it was just like, let's see who comes out. Right. There was no way in hell they were going to do Bart Gunn versus Austin at any point. Yeah. No matter who won, this thing was never getting a shot at Austin. It's just that's the like the train of the Attitude Era was moving too fast at this point. And I would have positioned Bart Gunn as a babyface because like he was the underdog winning that tournament, you know. Right. But what do I know? I I would love to go back and look at the Attitude Era. Like you know we're doing it here, but like there's places that you could position Bart Gunn in. And I know during this time, and we're not talking and covering everything, but right now they've positioned Sable with the oddities on TV <laughs> to, to help try to get them over as a babyface act. Yeah. Now, we're, about, right, and we're about six months away from the Sable heel turn. But you could have even and then and we'll get there when we get there. But they do a deal at SummerSlam this year. Uh, 98 this year 98 where it's marrow and jackie against sable and a mystery partner and do you remember who sable's mystery partner ends up being at the at the SummerSlam? Mm, i don't it ends up being edge okay which kind of sort of in like the edge character and like where they would position edge and so on and so forth doesn't make a lot of sense what if they had it be bart gunn yeah and then you position bart gunn and sable on tv at least Mero could do like a little whatever with Bart Gunn, and I don't think they they faced each other um, in the brawl for all, if I remember. Mero? Um, no, I don't think so. But you could have done a thing like Mark Mero's like, well, you only won the brawl for all because you never took on me. Yeah, like 
you, you uh, it's like they say in like sport, like fake sports, where it's like you, you were on the wrong side of the bracket type of deal. Yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, we're gonna we're gonna do things a little bit differently right now. Yeah. Um, normally we would kind of get into what we want to discuss, uh, from the week that was and everything else like that. Um, but we just had a call come in and another call as well. And we're going to just kind of do things out of order. We're going to play two calls here real quick. And then, you know, we'll play the rest of the calls a little bit later on. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, but just, uh, like I said, it's going to be a weird show, you know? Yep. Hey guys. It's the strongest fan on the land, Artie Mac, calling in. And I'm sure every call, at least a great majority of them, are going to be regarding the recent tragic uh, details, the news of the passing of Bray Wyatt and otherwise known as... Um, otherwise, uh, Sorry, I'm all choked up here. You know, Wyndham Rotunda... I, uh, I gotta tell you, man, and I'm being serious in this call too. I'm not making no funny jokes or nothing. This guy was just special in many ways than not. This guy, I, I remember some years ago, I believe myself, Chuck Stone, Eric Taylor, don't tell them I said this, of course, <laughs> but we had gone there to Raw and it was a dead show, a real dead show, real stinker of a Raw, if you will. And, you know, for the most part, it was flat. No big pops, nothing. And then the dark main event came. It was The Fiend, Bray Wyatt versus Seth Rollins in a cage match. And let me tell you, I have never seen a crowd more engaged, more excited, and more in the hands of one man and Bray Wyatt. And I've been to Cleveland when The Rock was there. I, it's just, it is ungodly how great of a character, how great of a worker, how great of a man that Wyndham was. And I, I got to tell you, I am at a loss, you know, about all of this. And <laughs> there's so much more. I never even get to met the guy. And that's, that's just tragic. I think, you know, obviously this is a very cliche thing, but, you know, value everyone you know in your life. You know, don't wait till the next day to tell them you love them, this, that. You know, life is precious. And that's all I got for tonight. Bray Wyatt, Wyndham Rotunda, a real blessing of a man. And um, this is this one's going to be hard to recover from, especially from the passing of Terry Funk this past week as well. Thank you, guys. I'll be seeing you soon. Well, thank you for the call, Artie. And we're going to play one more call here, and then we'll kind of get into our week of talking about stuff, you know? Yeah. Hey, it's Kevin. Um, oh, obviously the show changed, uh, I'm guessing. Um, this sucks. This sucks a lot. I, I leave in this message. Obviously I don't know what Joe and Adam have said already. I know sometimes how you guys say things or how you don't say certain things. Um, it's your show. Totally understand. So this is my thought and opinion and mine alone. Um, it sucks. Depression and mental health issues suck. And it hurts. And some days are okay. But a lot of days aren't. And 
it can feel like there's no end to it. But I'm making certain assumptions for Bray. Apologies if I'm wrong. If we find out in a couple of days I'm wrong, I'm sorry. I'm just making certain assumptions here. And I don't know if he felt too proud to reach out for help. I don't know if he didn't get the right help. I don't know if, I don't know. I don't know. And I'm not a member of the family or a close friend. I might never know. But for anyone listening, I'm, I'm out there online too much, probably. Send me a message. You know, like we're all super huge nerds around the country that like comics and wrestling and toys. And as much as we can all join together in this podcast, sometimes we all feel alone because we're grown men that love comics and wrestling and toys. But you're not alone. All right? It'll hold me. Let's bullshit about stuff. It'll hold me just to know that it'll be okay. All right? Wh- whatever. Um, this sucks. And the more I think about it, the more I want to cry. And then I think of something new and I want to cry all over again. And I never met him. But whatever, whatever he felt that, you know, this was better than waking up tomorrow. I don't know. I'm telling anyone listening, the better decision is to still wake up tomorrow. Love you guys. Bye. Yeah. So again, this is one of the things of, uh, you know, uh, recording early, you know, as we're talking here, which is less than about two hours ago from us recording, mm-hmm. um, that the word came out on social media, uh, that Bray Wyatt, Wyndham Rotundo had passed away, you know, already had called in Kevin had called in and listen, I don't typically screen the calls, you know, kind of let everyone, you know, hang out there as you will. But I do get the little, um, the the like the little transcript of things and you know i got tipped off and i kind of wanted to get those calls out of the way up here first because i knew we'd be talking about them like i said the show format out the window jokes whatever um but yeah man um you know bray wyatt Wyndham was like he's 36 he had four Mm -hmm. kids um you, you and we don't know right now it's it's so fresh no one knows what the situation is all you could do is think for those kids and think for his wife and the rest of his family and his friends. Um, and he had a lot of them. And, you know, I know on the show, eventually we kind of, you know, we, we were big um, Bray Wyatt fiend guys from the start, you know, when all that stuff first start rolling out. Um, yeah. I mean, even going back to like <clears throat> the cult leader type deal, you know, yeah. with, with, you know, Brody and Rowan, you know, that, I was right. a huge fan of that. You know, I, I've been seeing all day today. Well, not all day, like the last hour or so. Um, all the clips of the NXT promos, you know, and I wasn't watching NXT back then because I don't think it was on the network. And or if it was whatever, I just wasn't watching it. And just seeing these promos in developmental that were mind blowing stuff. So. From the second he was on the main roster, I was enthralled by the three of them, and like you mentioned, the 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 fiend stuff, the 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 Firefly Funhouse stuff. I I was a huge fan of that. Like it, 
I, we joke that like, oh, you know, hey, don't tell anybody I'm a huge Bray Wyatt fan because it was cool to dunk on spooky WWE stuff, you know, for a while. But I loved all that, you know, so it, it and that's in a WWE that I don't generally watch. You know, there's not much that I enjoy of the sports entertainment, but like I always like that stuff. He was great with holding a crowd in his hand, you know, and right. keeping their attention. And it, it definitely was um, the Fiend stuff, all those characters and everything. I, I definitely feel as though that was him, the, the Wyatt family stuff, the cult leader stuff. That was him. He was allowed to cultivate that in developmental. Like That was as things were changing from FCW to NXT. Um, I know you were mentioning, but I think NXT was on Hulu at the time before there was a WWE network. And, you know, you can find stuff online. Everything is out there illegal, you know? Sure. So, like, you know, you would see that stuff and you would just see that potential that all of them had. And even just as the group had. And, and he's a guy who had been in the system uh, at WWE for a while. I think he was even part of the first, like, NXT uh, class when it was, like, the reality show with, like, the rookies and the pros. Um, yeah, that was the second season when he was Husky Harris. Yeah, that's what it was. Um, so he was a guy that they had a lot of faith in. It was a guy that they wanted to do something with. And I think what ended up happening was, you know, and I could only speculate and I could only see, you know, the what he, Bray, Wyndham would put out on social media what would end up on TV and then what would eventually happen on TV. And I, I think, um, you know, I think I was just talking about this with someone the other day and it's just weird how these sort of things work out that, um, like the fiend gets over super fast, like the character, the idea of it, like you remember, you have to remember those vignettes start the night after WrestleMania that year. And then he doesn't have a match as the fiend until that SummerSlam. Yeah, because, I mean, they didn't even show The Fiend for weeks. and we There was yeah. weeks of just him in the Funhouse. Right. Until you finally got, it might have been like the the eighth or ninth week where they were like, hey, do you want to see what I've been working on? And then you yeah. saw a couple quick shots of it. And it was like, holy shit, this is fucking cool. Yeah. So, you know, here it is. It's a slow burn. It's this slow build. And they were doing, I don't think it was the show that Artie was talking about. Um, but they had announced for one of the pay-per-views that were coming up, like the, the event, like where the, the building, where the event was going to be had tweeted out from the building's Twitter account that one of the matches that was going to be on the show was going to be Seth versus Bray as the fiend in a hell in the cell match. And that was just supposed to be a dark match, but because the building put that out there, WWE knee-jerked and said, shit, what are we going to do? And they ended up putting the match on the pay-per-view with no build and end up having The Fiend win. And it's like, okay, well, now here's this character that you've cultivated and built and let Bray work on getting to the main roster to get to this point for like four to five months. And now you're going to hot shot, like, now are you going to have him lose? No, you can't have him lose. Are you going to have him beat Seth? And then the finish of that match, I think, really hurt the momentum of the character. And then the Fiend ends up winning the title at one of the Saudi Blood Oil Money shows. And then he ends up losing the belt to Goldberg. 
And I just think like it kind of, I know it kind of crushed a lot of people's fandom of the character. And I can only speculate that it might've crushed a lot of his, um, yeah. you know, cause he then comes back or he get, he's one of the guys that gets released during the pandemic and then Triple H just brought him back this past November or this past October and he gets the big return and he gets to close out the pay-per-view and he gets to debut all the characters again and he gets to be a main focus thing on SmackDown and we only ended up getting one match out of him and yeah, that he- was the that was the LA Knight pitch black match and you know, they, they started to do the build for a match with him and Lashley at WrestleMania, and then that just kind of disappeared. And there was rumors of health issues. There was rumors of creative differences. Um, And it just, I feel like Bray was a guy, Wyndham was a guy who had a lot of great ideas, but I just think that WWF was not the place for his ideas. Yeah, no, I can see that. You know, and I'm not saying that like, oh, AEW, right? No, I, I think his his mind worked different his mind for the ideas that he had were bigger than just wrestling i think like if he took that fiend character and like did a series of like directed dvd or like video on demand or whatever you want to say like movies as that character right i think that would have been like an everlasting brand new horror character yeah um like you wouldn't have to worry about wrestling matches and you know, you could pick things up in the edit and you don't have to worry about like, Oh, well the guy in charge, a photo got leaked. So now we got to rush it to, you know, we wanted to get like step a to B to C to D. Well, now we're just going to jump from a to L and completely skip all this, you know, lore of the character. And I know a lot of people, you know, joking around and say, Oh, fiend lore and everything else like that. But like, I'm sure in Bray's mind, he had an idea where that character was supposed to go. And the way that things were laid out, it was like every roadblock or every stumbling block or every turn that Vince or Triple H or Creative or whatever it was threw in front of him, he now had to like rework that in his head. And, you know, we we should only hope to be that passionate about the thing that we do and to have the opportunity to kind of give that to as many people as he did and share that with as many people as he did. Um, and, and I know he, he's going to be missed by a lot of people. Um, you know, he was <sighs> from all t- all tales told, he was one of the nicest and kindest guys out there. And uh, you just it just sucks to see it, you know? Yeah, uh, going back to what you were saying about like uh, this could have been a movie. Like it could have honestly, the the fiend character could have been what WWE films wanted See No Evil to be. Yeah, you know, like you could have made a WWE films, uh, you know, franchise starring Wyndham with the fiend and all that stuff, and it could have been very successful, as you pointed out. Um, but you could tell that with. The characters that he did, whether it be you know the the cult leader, the destro- what, the eater of worlds, and like the fiend and all that stuff, that this is a guy who, when he went home, he was thinking about wrestling. Yeah, you know, he wasn't somebody that cl- punched the clock. You know, uh, he was somebody that was constantly thinking about what the next thing was going to be. Yeah, um, I, I will say, and again, it's just to kind of clarify because uh, Kevin brought up a lot of valid points as far on his call. Um, but he did kind of give some implications as to like 
what might have caused uh, uh, Bray Wyatt, you know, uh, to not be here. Uh, Sean Ross Sapp tweeted out kind of right before we started recording. Um, quote, I was given permission to reveal that earlier this year, Wyndham Rotunda got COVID that exacerbated his heart issues. Uh, there was a lot of positive progress towards a return in his recovery. Unfortunately, today he suffered a heart attack and passed. Oh, Jesus. So just to kind of make sure that we're not, uh, you know, necessarily saying anything that's not true. Um, so I just want to clear that up. But obviously kiss your homies, you know, take the pictures, you know, everything that Kevin said otherwise, you know. Yeah, and, you know, more more on that later, of course, you know, obviously, and, and again, to, to throw it in there, you know, you, you might understand why I might not have seen a Sean Ross Sapp tweet today. Sure. No, I got you. It was in our Discord. It's the only reason I saw it. Yeah. Discord doesn't work for me anymore. I can't see uh, tweets of people that have blocked me when they go in Discord either. Nah. <laughs> Um, yeah, no, I mean, obviously, and we'll get into the other shitty news in a moment, but I never want to be like a pissing contest of like, oh, this person was more memorable than this person. But uh, the suddenness of somebody that's like at the height of their powers, you know, it always stings bad, you know, like losing somebody always sucks, but like to have it come out of like left field like that, that's like, ow, you know? Yeah. And, you know, it, it stinks that that's what it was. And, you know, there was rumors of health issues um, as well. And there was also rumors like two, three weeks ago that uh, he was prepared for a return. I remember even like earlier in the summer, there were some photos of him like out and about in public and, you know, he looked to be in, like, better shape than he had been in forever. Yeah. Um, yeah, you just, you just never know, you know, obviously, as Adam mentioned, take care of yourself. Um, you know, do what you can. And I say this out of one side of my mouth and out of the other side of my mouth. I say I don't go see doctors. <laughs> Same. <laughs> so I don't know what's wrong with me. But, you know, obviously, if there's serious shit going on, don't hide it. Don't be ashamed. Don't be embarrassed. We're all human. We all go through the shit. And it sucks to go through it alone. And if you think you're alone, there is somebody out there. Like Kevin said, you may not know it. And again, you know, there's somebody who wants to help. And there's somebody who wants to help you. That's, you know, best I can say. Yeah. Um, and obviously, in light of this... The other tragedy from just this past Wednesday um, is the passing of Terry Funk. Now, obviously, this is a little bit different. Um, Terry Funk was 79 years old. Terry Funk didn't live a life. Terry Funk lived like seven lives. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, the other couple weeks ago, you know, we do Terry Tuesday where we tweet out the pictures and the gifts and the everything of Terry Funk. Um. And I remember a couple weeks back that wrestling trading card set from like 1983. And you know the one I'm talking about, Adam, with like the blue borders and everything. Oh, yeah. The, That's the uh, one. Our DJ got uh, a Funker card a couple months ago, right? Yeah. Yeah. The one that Broski, like at the beginning of the pandemic, bought the waterlogged, like complete set. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Um, but that, that set was so many big names in wrestling's rookie cards. 
And when that set came out in 1983, Terry Funk had already been wrestling for 11 years. You know? Yeah. When I first saw Terry Funk on wrestling TV in 1985, he was already the same. He was already 43, 43 years old. Um, and then he would go on, you know, and and I, I think Joe Gagne was the one that pointed out. And listen, I'll, I'll be the first one to say I'm woefully ignorant of Terry Funk's um, early Japan career, like the stuff in the 70s and early 80s. But if we just look at Terry Funk from the 80s, he has a run on top with Hulk Hogan and the Junkyard Dog in WWF. Mm -hmm. He then kicks her on the indies in Japan again. He then has a run on top in the NWA against Ric Flair, right? Yep. Goes, kicks around the indies and Japan again. Goes to ECW. Has a run on top with Mick Foley and Raven. And he wins the ECW world title, right? Um, he then has his Amarillo retirement mm -hmm. against, at the time, WF champion Bret Hart. And the two of them famously have an argument of who's going to go over. And Terry is like, you're the world champion, you can't lose. And Bret's like, you're Terry Funk, you can't lose. Um, and then Terry gets another run in WWF after that. He gets another run in WCW after that. And then he proceeds, after WCW closes in 2002, he then proceeds to wrestle for another 15 years after that. And, you know, I tweeted it, and, you know, Tweet only has so many characters, but so many of the wrestlers that we, and whether it be myself or Adam or you listening to the show, love and admire, Bret Hart, Mick Foley, Eddie Kingston, John Moxley, and listen, I'll begrudgingly say it here. I'm not going to even CM Punk, right? These are guys that look to Terry Funk as an idol, as a mentor, and somebody that they look at him and they say, I want his career. And Terry Funk was never the richest guy. And Terry Funk was never the most popular guy. But Terry Funk was the guy who worked harder for other people just as hard as he worked for himself. You know, we talk about even his Hollywood career when he ended up, um, you know, doing stuff in Roadhouse and Over the Top. And then he ends up being a fight and stunt coordinator on a bunch of Stallone movies. And when he gets that job, he starts to get his friends in the wrestling business job as stunt people um, on these movies. And that's helping them get into get into SAG-AFTRA to get into that guild to get that health insurance that wrestlers never had before. Mm -hmm. And again, Terry knew that he couldn't get that done through wrestling, but he knew that if he could get a foot in the door for Hollywood and he can get one or two or three of his closest friends and to help them out, that's what he did. And there's a self there's a selflessness to Terry Funk that just really knows no bounds. And anyone that's had any sort of interaction with him or any sort of meeting with him, whether it be as a wrestler, whether it be as a fan, whether it be as a promoter, you will never hear a bad word about Terry Funk. Just like, you know, obviously with the more recent example, you're never going to hear a bad word about Wyndham Rotunda. Terry Funk is someone who whose legacy will hopefully, you know, outlive everyone. You know, he he's someone that I hope 
five, 10, 15, 20 years from now, people are still talking about. And I, you know, so many greats in wrestling come and go. And, you know, we all remember those that have passed. But again, I don't think a lot of them are, are in the forefront of our minds. You know, like, I don't think there's people or there are, but I don't think there's hundreds, if not thousands of people that think of Harley Race every day or Andre the Giant every day. But in a perfect world, every wrestling fan would think of Terry Funk every day. Yeah. And obviously, you know, we joke about it in the past and all that stuff. I'm like, oh, pre-1990, it doesn't count. But my knowledge of things pre-Hasbro era of WWF is, is really a blank spot. You know, I just didn't watch wrestling then. And, you know, whether it be seeing the Terry Tuesday tweets or from this podcast or listening to Brett and DJ and we need wrestling. And it's like, I, I hear and see so much cool stuff about Terry Funk that I did. I never had any clue that he was such a top guy and such a revolutionary and an inspiration to so many wrestlers that like, I'm very late to the party, you know, and I'm buying all these Terry Funk figures that I'm like, this guy is fucking badass because it's like, I love John Moxley. I love Eddie Kingston, as you said, and they love Terry Funk. So I'm like, well, clearly there's gotta be something there. Uh, so obviously, uh, like I said, I'm late to the party, but everything you said, like that he had such a long and influential career at the top that, he needs to be more there needs to be more discussion about him when people are always like oh you know who's the best of like that era is it hogan is it flair is it you know enoki or whatever like we'll fucking put terry funk in there you know yeah and, and i hate to say that terry is a guy who gets taken for granted because i definitely don't think that's the case i think the people that know know and it's just one of those things where you know i want every the, Everyone's experience with any sort of media, any sort of thing that you consume is going to be different no matter who you are. But if there and I, I would joke all the time that and say that if everyone just liked all the stuff that I liked, they'd be much happier. <laughs> and it's a joke. But if people just kind of, you know, and I and I don't think there's anyone out there that's like, I hate Terry Funk. He stunk. He was terrible. Like, you can't say that. Because even if you have that opinion, there's something that I could show you of Terry Funk in his illustrious career that is going to give you a reaction. And that was, you know, something that he was always able to do. Now, um, you know, I, I, I talked a little bit with DJ and Brett this week about doing something. And, you know, we're going to see how they end up doing it. If, you know, I'd like them to do it. You know, obviously, DJ is the much bigger Terry Funk fan. We're all Terry Funk fans, and again, it's not a contest, but, you know, obviously that was DJ's guy. Um, but I want to do something this week, uh, just kind of like a Terry moment of the week. I know we're still going to do Terry Tuesday, and, like, I'm just thinking the other day, like, I'm... It's not a knock on Wyndham, but if we recorded this show yesterday, it would be a lot of me crying, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and it's been a day removed with the Terry Funk stuff, and the Wyndham stuff has kind of like changed my perspective on a lot of other stuff. Um, but I'm going to play a Terry, a Terry Funk moment, um, a, a more recent Terry Funk moment from only about, again, it would have been about eight years ago or so. Uh, but it's a moment that I'm involved in. Um, it's from our friends at AIW. They brought Terry in to do a meet and greet. 
And uh, a lot of the discussion, of course, about the people involved that's come out online and the idea was supposed to be Eddie Kingston managed by the Duke. Again, you got to, you know, people to boo Eddie Kingston, you got to put, you know, the Duke with them. <laughs> that's the only uh, way. <laughs> and uh, they're taking on Josh Prohibition, who's being positioned as a big baby face. It's going to be a two on one beatdown. And Terry was just supposed to come out and kind of run them off, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the idea was just supposed to be a couple punches. Eddie and the Duke powder out. Eddie or Terry Funk gets to raise J- Josh Prohibition's hand, and that's the end of the segment, right? Again, it's Terry Funk. And again, it was eight years ago, so at the time he's 71 years old. Um, and again, we're going to do the uh, audio of this, but or you, you're going to hear the audio of it, but I'm going to include this in the show notes so you can go check it out if you've never seen it yourself. Uh, and again, it, it, it like there's clips of it and stuff that have been going around the last like 24 hours on social media. But like, watch the whole segment, which is on AIW's YouTube channel. So let me. Yeah. I gotta, I'll, I gotta, I'll just say uh, the Duke uh, tweeted out his perspective from it, which is a great read. I read right before he went on the air. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so let me go ahead and start this up here. You hear me? Oh, wait a minute! Oh. You hear me? Here we go. I have to pause it. So <laughs> Duke has his back to the entranceway. Yeah. And Eddie is looking and sees Terry Funk coming. And Terry just pitches a chair at the Duke. <laughs> right? Yeah, much deserved, I'll say. <laughs> much deserved. Now, we I freezed it here um, as Terry is getting ready to wind up and level the Duke with a left. Mm-hmm. It's the legend! Kingston put his hands on Terry Funk. What the hell is he thinking? Look at those punches. I dreamed about this moment for all my life, I'll tell you. <laughs> it's not the rights you gotta worry about. Oh, he has a floor by Living legend of professional wrestling. <laughs> okay, I have to pause it again. I'm sorry. <laughs> so and again, listen, I'm going to expose the uh, the magic of the business here, okay? Oh, trash you. <laughs> so, Terry gives Eddie Kingston a DDT on the floor. Ah. Uh. And, uh, and Eddie's there selling, and he's mouthing like, oh, God, oh, God. And then real quick, he reaches up and, like, tries to grab Terry's arm as Terry's getting ready to go after the Duke. And, like, you see Eddie go, are you okay? Are you okay? <laughs> like, Terry Funk just gave Eddie Kingston a DDT, and Eddie's like, Terry, are you okay? (laughs) Bronco Terry Funk! He has seen enough injustice in his life! Putting the boots, he's kicking the Duke toward the concession stand. (laughs) And now pitches him. What is the hardcore legend? Terry Funk! Using the Duke to wipe out the concession oh, stand. Nice fucking challenge. <laughs> He's got a... Anything that's not nailed down. Those are profits he's beating him with. Don't get the crockpot, Terry. Don't get the crockpot. <laughs> the crockpot literally right above the Duke's head. And I was so afraid. And that's filled with boiling water and hot dogs. I was so afraid that it was going to fall on the Duke's head. Oh, Jesus Christ. Just right there, like a random fan. That is uh, Thorne's friend, Nick Sanka, who's just like a civilian 
uh-huh. who was just behind the concession stand drinking. <laughs> um, and Terry Funk throws a chair at him. And as this moment is paused, I'm circling here. There's Tracy Smothers watching. Yeah. And there's a young Kaplan watching. Holy shit, baby Kaplan. No, but I'll, I'll just say the guy just had the chair thrown at him. Like, that's going to be the greatest story of his life. Like, I had a chair thrown at me by Terry Funk. Like, like Terry Funk just threw a chair at her. A concession stand. Open hand slap in the Duke. Attendant. And there's Biggins. Now, wait, let's see if we, it gets on this. Referee is still out, and every single person here is on their feet. Terry's slipping and selling. Punk, and rightfully so. This match is apparently still going on. He's dedicating this drunken driver to Terry Funk. Well, he's making sure that the finish happens. Terry throws a chair directly at Eddie's head. I don't think the middle finger was advice. Oh no, no, the Duke. More chairs to throw. <laughs> it's that meme from The Simpsons. Stop, he's dead already. kind of got the vibe like at the end and he's like all right i did my thing let me get out of here give josh the spotlight yeah. like he didn't want to be there to get the the the, the flowers because again terry gets in the ring raises his hand and then immediately gets out because that's what yeah. was, that's all that was supposed to happen you know yeah <laughs> oh but it gets cut out of this but there's a point um that doesn't show up on camera because there's a cut in the video that's up there where Biggins is trying to hand uh like plastic grocery bags to Terry Funk. Okay. Because there's a famous angle uh during the Terry Funk Ric Flair feud that yeah. got like Yeah, so where Terry Funk puts a plastic bag over Ric Flair's head. 
<laughs> Fucking Biggins trying to kill the Duke. Yes. <laughs> yes, he was. As a rib. We were having yeah. fun. You know, that's what we Just did so, as a rib back then. A silly little asphyxiation bit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but like I said, you know, you know, we'll see next week, um, you know, cause I could play a Terry moment every week on the show. Um, you know, I, 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 I turn things over to DJ and Brad. I hope they have something lined up. If not, you know, I could certainly help them curate and cultivate or whatever, something to go on their show. Um, but yeah, yeah if um, DJ needs some help, you know, brushing up on Terry Funk, you know, <laughs> right. Right, he could turn to you, of course. <laughs> no, I meant you. Like, uh, that was what it was. Oh. But no, definitely not me, but... No, but... Uh, yeah, so that's that's what I got for this week, you know? Yeah, no, absolutely. Nothing um, else really worth talking about. There's I other couple, stuff happened, but whatever. Yeah, I had a couple things, but, you know, fuck all that, you know? Exactly. Um, so, hey, Adam, I know there's a pay-per-view this weekend. Oh, shit, there is. Where the hell is it? Hang on. Yeah, I'm just pulling up Wikipedia real quick. <laughs> All right, go ahead. <laughs> you got, you got like 15 seconds. I, I've done a lot. Saints taken down to the ring. It's Kobe Kingston doing his thing. Ruby Soho. Beyond the show. Brian Danielson. No, no, no. Is it the tribal chief? Yard. Let's find out. Does Joe know the card? I knew there was something I forgot, but Joe, according to Wikipedia, the most trusted source of all wrestling news and information, All Elite Wrestling is holding all in London this weekend, and there are eleven matches announced. Two of which are on the pre-show. Joe, do you know the card? Maybe. Does AEW know the card? <sighs> A lot could change between now and Sunday. Yeah. Right, okay. 11 matches. So uh, pre-show I know for sure is uh, Adam Cole and MJF against Aussie Open. I don't acknowledge Aussie Open, but yes, you're right. And... Uh, I guess, you know, we know, listen, we know because it takes place on Collision this week, but um, Jungle Jack, Perry, Herm, Sesfras taking on uh, Hook for the FTW title. What? I thought he was supposed to retire the belt tomorrow or Saturday. Spoilers. God damn it. All right. Was that the the other match on the uh, Zero Hour that you saw? Uh, Yeah. Jack Perry, Hook is on the pre-show, according to Wikipedia. Uh, so then we have um, Adam Cole versus MJF for the world title. Yep. We have Samoan Joe versus Phil for the alleged real world title. That's four. Uh, we've got the Bucks versus FTR for the tag titles. That's five. Um, we've got the Stadium Stampede, which is Eddie Kingston, Pentagon, Chuck Taylor, Trent Beretta, and OC. Correct. Taking taking on Claudio, Moxley, uh, Wheeler Yuta, and Santana and Ortiz. Yep. In a coffin Six. match. In a signature coffin match. Signature coffin match. We've got Sting and Darby Allen taking on Swerve Strickland and Christian. That's correct. Uh, we got the four-way for the women's title, which is Sheeta, Britt Baker, 
Tony Storm and Soraya. Yep. Three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. That's nine. I got two more, huh? You have three more. Ooh, wait a minute. One, two, you three, four, so five, six, seven, eight. I, I don't count so good. I got three more. Okay. We've got Jericho versus Willow Spray. That's correct. Uh, we've got Kenny, Hangman, and uh, Ibushi taking on uh, Juice Robinson, Jay White, and Takeshita. Yep. And there's one more match, huh? There it is. It was added last night. See, that's probably why. I'm trying to... Th- let, me, let me go through dynamite in my head from last night to see if I could remember. A lot of dead air during this part. Mm-hmm. Don't hurt yourself. I'm sad that they haven't officially announced Double J versus Grado in some way, shape, or form. I think Double J is going to come out to face whoever wins in the MJF Cole match. Put the Texas Chainsaw <laughs> title up against the, 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 the fake Burberry belt. Yeah, unify them. <laughs> I can't up. think what the 11th match is right now. House of Black versus The Acclaim. There you go. Six-man titles. Daddy ass is back, but not as daddy ass as badass daddy ass. <laughs> badass daddy ass. Yeah. The the one. Uh, rockabilly. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, obviously, the plan is to be at soon-to-be-named Network North for this. This is a, a rather large gathering of the network. Yeah, I hear like pretty much like everyone's going to be there. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's unprecedented, but looking forward to that. Um, any like uh, any wild predictions uh, from this this pay per view before we go into it? Well, let me ask you a question because obviously I didn't want I didn't see the spoilers for Collision or for Rampage or anything like that. So how dare you? But it's on the uh, Wikipedia. No, but I, I didn't know. Never mind. I'm just whatever. You didn't know it was for the FTW title. You thought Jungle Jack retired it. Yeah, whatever. I'm doing a bit. But my question is, so I saw that, like, I don't follow, like, I don't go on Twix anymore. So, like, I see things, but I don't pay attention. So Ray Phoenix is not in the Stadium Stampede match anymore. Correct. So they're just not going to have a fifth member on each team or a sixth member on each team. I was told correct. Um, okay. It went from six on six to five on five. Okay, because I know that there was like three blank spaces, and I'm really mad that they revealed that it was Santana and Ortiz last night because last week when they had the three blank spaces, I was thinking like who could be the people that would be in there, and I thought to myself Santana Ortiz, and I felt so smart, and then it was. It was proven to be them, and I'm like, God damn it, nobody's going to believe me that I knew going into it. But any rumor, like, did they have a plan for a six-person on the, the heel side? No. Okay, it was just we'll figure it out when we get to London. Yes. All right. Well, I know I know. Smart Mark said he had a London suit made up, you know? <laughs> right, but I also heard he's staying home for the next two weeks, so who knows? Wow. Allegedly. Right. Yeah. But any any predictions? Um, any predictions? No. Um, 
I think it's going to be a very good card. Like, you know, that's we, we talk about it every time there's an AEW pay-per-view that it's like, oh, the card looks bad on paper, but it always delivers, you know? Mm-hmm. And I, I know a lot of people are like, oh, like, so a lot of focus on was on, they do this whole heavy heat angle where Swerve and AR Fox go to Nick Wayne's house, beat him up, bloody him, the whole thing, right? Yeah. And then two weeks later, Air Fox gets kicked out of the group, turns babyface, and they put Christian in there, you know? Yeah, that that's I mean, love Christian, great, but like that sucked. <laughs> you know, the turn the double like turning face already and just immediately Darby accepts him. Like that's totally WCW eighties sting, you know? Rubbing off. And and obviously they, they they do a deal where like the Blackpool Combat Club takes out um uh, Phoenix to get him out of the match. You could have done something where, um, because of, you know, and obviously, so Nick Wayne pins AR Fox in the match, and that's the impetus for that. You could have done something where the baby faces like Nick Wayne gets his team disqualified because he just won't stop beating up AR Fox, right? Mm-hmm. And he ends up injuring AR Fox. And then you could. St- that's a way to take Air Fox out of the match, but then you're doing two injury angles on one show. It gets to be a mess, right? I, I really think this was a rough situation. It starts from the Danielson injury to the uh, Jamie Hayter injury to now we run into a bunch of guys that, for whatever reason, are not coming over for the trip. And all we could do is speculate, but all I could say is... Phoenix has a history of not making his bookings mm. and being unreliable. And I think AR Fox, fantastic talent, Im- immensely, you know, cool look, the whole thing. Um, definitely somebody who deserves that opportunity. And every time that he's been given it to him, shines. And I know there's a lot of people like, well, his grandmother just passed away. But, like, I think his grandmother passed away, like, a couple weeks ago. Maybe the services are this weekend. But it just ends up coming up that you end up trying to book a show and people are getting hurt and people can't travel. And you would think that you have a plan and you would have these things taken care of. But injuries happen. Travel issues happen. Even if you're just doing a show within the United States, travel issues happen. Going to a completely other country, travel issues happen, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but is there going to be any like surprises on the card? No, because if there there can't be any surprises, I don't think there's going to be any title changes. No surprises. What? What? You don't like Edge? Um, I think Edge, <laughs> even if he doesn't sign his contract, can't go anywhere for thirty days. I got gotcha. you. Um, but I could definitely see Edge, you know, making an AEW appearance very soon. You know, probably in the next, like, 29 days. Um, but that's the thing. So, like, even, you know, the, the jokes is like, oh, look who I saw at the airport, you know? <laughs> Unless Edge is already in the UK as we speak, and that video of him on his porch in his rocking chair was taped, like, days ago. Yeah. You know, um, I don't think we're going to get Edge. I don't think we're going to get any title changes. But I think we're going to get a... You know what? I'll say that. I'll, I'll take that back. The acclaimed are winning the, uh, the 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 trios titles. Yeah, um, I can see 
them putting one of the uh, one of the two British women over Sheeta in the four way. No. I mean, I don't want to see it happen, but I could see it happening. No. <laughs> I love Hollywood starlet Tony Storm. She's great. I love Hollywood starlet Tony Storm, and I think that character needs more time to percolate and crack, and the title would kind of stop her from going crazy. No, I agree. Um, uh, because we, I've talked about it so much over the last couple of weeks, uh, I already have in my head how I want the MJF Cole stuff to go. I want, during the pre-show, uh, as much as I hate to say it, Aussie Open wins because MJF tags himself in to do the stupid, like, koala kick or whatever it is, the kangaroo kick. You know, like, Cole has the match wrapped up, but MJF tags himself in, tries to do the kick, it backfires, MJF is really sad. He's like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Cole super kicks MJF. Cole's the heel for the main events. Uh, that's my like dream booking of it, just because I don't want them to backpedal on any of the the recent development with MJF. Like I, I like the he's my scumbag type of uh, MJF, but I'm sure they'll just do that. He was working us from the start and like, it was all, he was just always intended on turning on Adam Cole and it'll just be back to the old stuff. But I hope it's not the case. Okay. My fantasy booking of all this is very similar. Okay. But I don't think we're going to get the payoff at all in. Tag 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 title match happens, Aussie Open wins, but it's because MJF gets injured, wink, during the match, right? Okay. And he can't continue. Cole has to go it alone two on one, Aussie Open overpower him, and obviously it's two on one, but Adam Cole is also concerned about his friend, right? Yeah. Adam Cole or MJF is injured, Aussie Open leaves. Medical is out to check on MJF, and we get word that the injury that MJF sustained may be too severe that he would not be able to wrestle tonight in the main event. So now you get the kingdom, you get Roderick Strong in Adam Cole's ear. He's faking it. He's doing this to get out of the match with you. That's why he accepted the tag match with you, so that he could fake the injury in the tag match and get out of the world title match with you. And Cole is like... I don't know. I don't believe, you know, so on and so forth, right? So we're going into the main event unsure whether or not MJF is going to come out. We get the full Adam Cole entrance. He comes out. He's the challenger. They play MJF's music. He doesn't come out. They play his music again. He doesn't come out. They play it the third time, and he comes out, pushing the doctors, pushing the medical away. I promised the fans here, but no, I promised my best friend I would give him the match. And it's the main event, but I may not be at 100%, but I'm still going to do it, and so on and so forth. And then all through the match, Cole is like, I'm not going to take advantage of the injury, but I should take advantage of the injury because Roderick Strong told me he was faking, right? Mm. And then we end the pay-per-view, MJF up, not for sure if MJF was faking or not. And so, then that's where we, And that's where we go to next week at All Out in Chicago, where that's where we're going to get our payoff to everything. Uh, okay. Uh, you're just basically saying that the reason why MGF wins and there could be a, a continuation is because maybe Cole was holding back in the yes. main event? Yes. Gotcha. Don't love it, but I can see it. Yeah. 
I just think we're not going to get the big payoff in Wembley. I think we're just going to get a match in Wembley, right? Yeah. Nah, but it's going to nah. be a fun time. Everyone's going to be a uh, soon-to-be-named Network North. We're going to have lots of fun. Um, and, uh, you know, all the homies are going to be there. Yeah. Yeah, looking forward to it. All right. Uh, so, hey, let's get into the rest of the phone calls, huh? All right. Hey there, Joe and Adam. It's the other JB here. Um, if you can't tell by my voice, it's uh, a little bit sore. So that's why I took a little bit of a break today. Um, figured I'd save the uh, retirement for the FTW belt for another couple of days. You know, pad, you know, pad the stats a little bit before you know I put it layer down to rest. You can't lie anyway, to the jars. You know, big props to my surrogate dad out there for continuing his um, one-man vendetta against everyone with the dads. Mm-hmm. You know. Did it sting when he t- did it to me? Yeah, but you got to respect it. So, already. See ya. Christian's so awesome. <laughs> He's like, I heard you also have a dead dad. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> what? Like, And the way that he delivers the line, like I saw somebody else say this about it. He delivered that line like it was the rock saying, do you smell what the rock is cooking? <laughs> you know? Yeah. And he's like, oh, your dad was a wrestler. I've never heard of him, so he couldn't have been good. <laughs> so but awesome. Unrelated, uh, did you watch uh, Jack Perry on the uh, RJ City Hey EW thing on Sunday? I did not. Um, it So it starts off a little awkward, and then J- Jack Perry starts to warm up a little bit. And then we get a prolonged discussion about how big uh, Jungle Boy's balls are. All right. (laughs) RJ RJ brings up about that there's Twitter accounts that are out there devoted just to his penis. (laughs) And Jack corrects him and says, well, it's it's really more my balls that are really big. (laughs) And then the show just rolls from there. Well, all right. <laughs> Good all stuff. right. Check Thanks that out. Thanks for the call, JB. Sorry we, sorry we missed you last week. Yeah. Next call. Hey, guys, it's DeWiki. I just wanted to call in and share a memory of Terry Funk. I think I've told the story a few places, but one more time isn't going to hurt anyone. When I was 15 or 16, I was in a singing group called America's Pride, which was part of the uh, Partnership for a Drug-Free America program. Uh, We did songs and skits about staying drug-free and alcohol-free. Yes, I was a dork. Uh, This group was contacted to sing the national anthem at an indie wrestling show at my high school gym. Uh, Terry Funk and Dick Murdoch were the big headliners on that show. They they were in a tag team match. Um, And before we went out to sing the anthem, we were back in a hallway by the locker rooms, and Terry Funk happened to come out and see us. He saw our T-shirts proudly proclaiming America's pride, and he cut a heel promo on us again we were back in a hallway nobody was there nobody was watching uh called us america's trash saying you know how what a disgrace to america today's youth were all of this stuff i remember several of the girls being in tears some of the guys were dumbfounded but i was standing there beaming as this wrestler that i've watched for years is cutting this promo on us and as he finished this little tirade he snarled and then looked at me and uh he could. I think he just kind of saw the look on my face, and he gave me a quick wink. And it is one of my favorite memories of my life. Um, 
rest in peace, Terry Funk. You were one in a million. That's a great story. Thanks for sharing that, David. No, that's awesome. I've never, I've never heard him tell that before. That's cool. Yeah, I know Terry would do a thing um, for a, a period of time, like in the late 90s, early 2000s, um, where he would sign an autograph or tell you, uh, especially if you were like of like high school, college age, right? Mm-hmm. He would tell you to stay in school. Okay. Okay. And, you know, Terry was on the indie circuit at that time doing, you know, matches and meet and greets. Like, you know, David mentioned in this instance and, you know, Ring of Honor and like smaller things and so on and so forth. And if you would go up to Terry, he would ask you if this was your first time that you had met him or not. Or maybe you would lead with that, like, oh, I met you at so-and-so or whatever, whatever, whatever. And if you said that you had met him before, or if he asked you if you had met him before and you said yes, he would ask you, did you stay in school like I told you? Okay. (laughs) It was just like this thing. But he like there's so many people that have that story of Terry Funk telling them to stay in school and then meeting them again years later. Like and that was I think like a Terry Funk version of a dad joke yeah. that he did with the fans, you know. I got you, and it kind of you might feel like, hey, does oh, he, he remembered remember me? me? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Because he only told me to stay in school. That's like the only time he ever said it. Yeah. Right. Okay. That's cool. <laughs> Thanks. To All Ricky. right. Thanks to Ricky. Next call. Hey guys, it's Ben. And I know you usually call in every week and I'm like, I have a question not related to wrestling, but I'm not going to do that, you stupid son of a bitch. Because this week's question is about Terry Funk, the greatest wrestler of all time. And I love Bret Hart, but it's not even close. What movie do you think would have been better if you added Terry Funk? Now, I assume all movies are bringing out Terry Funk. We need to get more specific. If he was the shark in Jaws, is it better? <laughs> oh, Brody, you piece of shit. You know, if he's in, I'm not going to do bits. I'm tired, guys. I didn't think this through. You know, I'm going to be like a sports talk radio guy and write down all my points. I'll I'll hang up and listen. All right, bye. (laughs) Terry Funk and Clerks. I'm not even supposed to be here. (laughs) (laughs) I'm trying to think. Um, I would have loved, like, and obviously Terry would always, at least in movies, get cast as, like, a heavy, a tough guy, a bodyguard, and, like, a wrestler or something, right? Yeah. I would have, like, I think if Terry got, like, and they did, like, a Western TV show that kind of was a failure, um, but I think if there was a movie, like, throw Terry Funk in, like, Unforgiven, or Tombstone, or The Quick and the Dead, like a Western movie, mm-hmm. and, like, he's not the lead, but he's, like, or he's not, like, the heavy, he's not the lead, but he's, like, the henchman of the heavy, you know? He would have been perfect for Deadwood, like yeah. uh, Swearinger's like heavy. Right. I, I definitely think, you know, if Terry got that and, you know, he, he got to really he got material he could really sink his teeth into. I definitely think he could have had yet another like eighth career <laughs> as like an old timey like saloon guy at a Western, you know? Yeah, I like it. Uh, what about like a crazy like 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 they mentioned uh, the shark or, or Dante from Clerks? Where do you want to see him? Uh, in something out of, like something out of character. And listen, I, 
I love Terry to death, but I think he was very much typecast um, in his role. And I'm trying to just think of something funny, but I don't think that Terry, uh, Terry's acting style would have lended to some heavy humor, you know? Uh, um, I'm just trying about to like think. A- a buddy cop movie. He's the grizzled veteran and like you have like Ryan Reynolds across from him or something. I think where you put Terry Funk in, you get like you, you get like your Farley Brothers style comedy, you know? Okay. And he's the dad of the lead girl, right? And like I'm just throwing it out there. Let's just say there's a subplot in something about Mary where Ben Stiller has to go meet Cameron Diaz's dad. And Cameron Diaz's dad is Terry Funk. <laughs> like, just like, like obviously terrifying. That, yeah, like that's just the idea that I have. Like, I'm not saying in something about Mary, but like those types of comedies where you have that sort of male lead and that sort of strong, attractive female lead, and then you have the the father be Terry Funk. Yeah. I mean, if anybody listened to last week's homework over on the Patreon, we are some pretty smart movie guys when it comes to to fixing fixing hollywood you know yeah i'm still waiting for my email from the uh the makers of farce of justice what the hell was it called avengers of justice farce of wars it. yep yep <laughs> one it day was called, it was called satchel ass is what it was called <laughs> anyway thank you for your call ben next call hello gentlemen kevin here um so I was watching AEW Dynamite and talking over friends, and that AR Fox storyline just went for like a, a month. You know, he showed up, and he's a face, and he's got the storyline, and then he turns, and now he's a face again, and it was really rushed. And then AEW's known for like, hey, this person's around, and then they're not. You know, and we go months without seeing people around, and, and I've had friends complain saying they don't do stories like WWE does, and I think it's something more than that. And I think what I came down to is... I feel like AEW's run like an indie, like a territory. They just happen to be international. As in, here's who's available. Like, here's, here's our local guys that live in the area, so they're always available. We know we can count on them. And then this person's only available for a month. This person's only available for a show. But they're going to sell some tickets, so we're going to bring them in, even though we won't have them for the next show. Um, and, and we all got kind of used to WWE, but they run like a – you know, international company with everyone locked down under contracts. Maybe W just seems more free flowing. I think I'm leaning towards an indie more than a territory with it. Um, but what's, what's what's your thought of that? Do you think AEW is run like a WWE or a WCW or even an ECW? ECW, I'd even say, was territory. They were at least you know most talent was locked in for contracts for a while. Yeah, that's my odd thought this week. Enjoy the Patreon, guys. Someone has to. Talk to you later. <laughs> oh, come on now. Wow. Wow. Um, Shots fired. Uh, before you give your opinion on this, I'll just say, like, I don't know whether or not it's it's booked like an indie or whatever, but, like, I definitely feel like they have five hours of weekly television, and people aren't seen for weeks at a time that may, let's say they're capable, they're healthy, they're available, whatever. You know, I feel like, hey, if you have all these hours of television across three nights, maybe not have one wrestler like, let's say, Darby Allen on all three nights. You know, like you're getting overexposed at that point and maybe give some time to somebody else like there should not be. 
I'm not saying you should have brand splits, but like if somebody was on Rampage, let's maybe not put them on Collision, you know? So AEW is being run as its own thing. And it's not WWE. It's not WCW. It's like as it's real it's as strange as this may sound, it's kind of almost being run like pre WCW NWA Jim Crockett promotions, where you have one person who's in charge, he's got lots of money, but he's got a lot of people in his ear telling him what to do. And there were times where the 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 Jim Crockett promotions TV like you would have storylines and angles that were only happening on one TV and it wouldn't even cross over onto another TV. And then sometimes you would have like, here's Dusty Rhodes on all three TV shows and he's in three different storylines that all have nothing to do with each other. And I, I really think that that's like, that's the closest that I could say, but AEW is really its own thing. And we kind of talked about it before, you know, with the injuries and travel issues and so on and so forth. But, you know, Tony definitely needs a clear vision. And I think Tony himself is spread too thin with, you know, um, the, the soccer team and the football team and the wrestling team. He, he needs a better infrastructure to kind of help streamline these sort of stuff. And I can't speak for the soccer stuff and I can't speak for the football stuff. That's not my wheelhouse. But, there have been peaks and there have been valleys. And right now we're in a valley um, of kind of like how messy things are in AEW. And, Mm -hmm. you know, the proof is in the pudding. I still enjoy the TV show. Um, They aren't selling gangbusters in the United States, but you can't argue with the show that sold out over 80,000 people. Yeah. No, I agree. Yeah. Cool. Thanks, Kevin. Yes. Thank you, Kevin. Now it's pink button time. It's time for Young Ed. Hey, Joe and Adam. It's Ed. Hey, I am listening to the show right now because I'm up working on my panel. Um, And Ben Pasco just called in and said uh, something about, like, what did you want to be when you want to grow up? He said he wanted to be a pro wrestler. And I paused it right then, but call and tell you this, just in case we might have the same story. I don't want it to seem like we do. Um, This is a story that I don't think I've ever even gotten to tell on, like, um, having a damn when I was in fifth grade, we had to do the whole, like, what, are your, what is your job? It's a little more, it's like a step up from what do you want to be when you grow up, right? So we had to, like, write about it. And it, like, it is that question, right? But you couldn't just be like, I want to be a fire truck. Uh, you had to, like, <laughs> really try to explain that, right? So my plan was, because it's 1997, uh, the fall, uh, dude love has happened, uh, I'm I'm there, right? So I tell everybody I want to be a professional wrestler, and I go to say something about it, and my fifth grade teacher, Mrs. Waterman, says, "Oh my gosh, can you just talk about something not dumb?" Fuck that! And then she made I don't lie and make a thing up, and it's it's not like an awful experience, like. I don't remember being like, what the fuck? And really disheartened about it. I just remember having to be like, oh shit, now I got to say a different thing, right? But as an adult, um, what kind of like adult woman says that to an 11 year old? That's fucking crazy. The only way that happens is if you hate kids. And like, why do you have that job if you hate kids? 
it's still insane to me that when I was 11, my first grade teacher told me to pick a less dumb job to want to be. <laughs> All right. <laughs> okay, bye. <sighs> I will say this. It was a different time. Yeah. You can't, you can't judge. And if a teacher did that to a kid today, that teacher would have been fired immediately. And that kid would have been a TikTok sensation. <laughs> well, I mean, that happened when Ed was 11. I mean, so that was only like 10 years ago. Right. Yeah, I don't know. Ed sure likes to put his real age out on Maine a lot lately, you know? Yeah, Ed's very careless with all of his shoot info. He certainly is. Uh, speaking of uh, shoot info, oh shit, did I accidentally get rid of it? Maybe. Hang on. Uh-oh. Um, no, no. I have to... So, Ed, I have some good news and some bad news for you, okay? So, uh, last week, when we were talking about uh, Ed, and he had mentioned his panel there, and Ed still has two more calls, and we'll definitely get to them, right? Okay. I gotta try to find it. God damn it. I had the email in my inbox and then it like disappeared. And this does happen from time to time, unfortunately. Because um, I wanted to read the actual email itself. But I think that ship may have sailed. Um, while I'm trying to look for everything here. I get a lot of emails every day. Um, so I, I said, I'm like, oh, well, I don't want to pay $45 to go to a convention that I, I, I want nothing to do with. Mm-hmm. Um, but I want to go and support Ed because Ed is my friend. Let me see if I could lie and maybe get us press passes. Sure, and it wouldn't be a lie. I mean, we provide information for to people. Right. <laughs> I guess. Sure. <laughs> um, but I will say that we did um, hear back, <gasps> and they said that they have to reject our application because it was after the cutoff time. Oh, well, I feel a little bit better that we weren't rejected based on merit, you know? Right. Right, it was that we missed the window. So I'll say this. So next year, I'm going to put in my uh, request earlier than I did last time, right? Uh-huh. Uh, also, Ed, I'm going to pose this question to you. Do you want, would you rather that we just come up and maybe hang out and get something to eat there? Um, or I stay home and I just like PayPal you 20 bucks to go get drunk? <laughs> because again going up there to f- spend $45 I love you Ed but that's a lot of money and that's a long day and I'm an old man um yeah you tell me how you want me how to how, how you want to handle this you know <laughs> yeah let him know I'm still on the fence I'm still on the fence I don't know uh, all right see I do love Ed $45 worth uh-huh. but uh you know, but that forty-five dollars isn't going to Ed. That forty-five dollars is going to the that's convention. That's the problem. That's the right. problem. See? Yeah, and and uh, yeah. All right, yeah. so to be determined. Right. All right. Next call. Hey, Joan Adam. It's Ed. Hey. Um. I just uh like maybe an hour ago watched a video where Hulk Hogan oh, talks no. about um how. He knows Simon Cowell because when he was in Wembley for SummerSlam, he met a dying Make-A-Wish kid 
um, and he could smell death coming off the kid. And when he went out there to main event Wembley at SummerSlam, hmm. uh, the kid wasn't there, neither was his family, because the kid died at Wembley. So I need to know, in your opinion, is this the biggest Hulk Hogan lie of all time? Because one, that kid doesn't exist. Two, no one smells like death before they die. That's not real. Um, they might smell like shit because they might be shitting themselves, but that's not death. That's shit. Uh, three, he wasn't uh, the main event of Wembley. Uh, four, he wasn't on the card at Wembley. <laughs> Five, Jimmy Hart wasn't there to manage him. Uh, bad place, Terry. Human being sucks, but like, bro, these lies rule, and he just doesn't give a fuck. It is fucking awesome. Uh, I wish he wasn't <laughs> such a piece of shit. Cause I would think he's he's like that Donald Trump level, where like, if you weren't such a piece of shit, that I would think you're the funniest fucking person ever. Um, I I think about me. I really enjoy people who take themselves super super seriously and don't know they're funny. Um, it's one of my favorite things in life. But is this the biggest bad place, Terry? Uh, lie of all time. Um, am I forgetting one? The Metallica bass player one is pretty good. But like, this is like five fucking giant lies. He says it rules. K by E. The now, the Meta- oh, I was just say the Metallica bass player one or the George Foreman grill one. You know, he's and, recently added that um, he was going to not all the time, but he was going to fill in as the bassist for the Rolling Stones on one of their tours as well. <laughs> uh, the st- wasn't there one that he like turned down like to be like Rambo or some shit, like some big franchise from like the 80s? I forget. I think it was Terminator. That might be it, yeah. So, for the interest of fairness, let's play the clip that Ed is talking about, okay? Okay. Oh, who is let, that? Let, let's, let's not mix words for uh, Bad Terry. Yeah. Um, so, you were telling me earlier, before we started rolling, yeah. you brought Simon Cowell to the United States. Well, he came, he came to help with the wrestling albums. I was, uh, long story, I'll make it short. I was in Wembley Stadium, and I saw a lot of Make-A-Wish kids. It was me, Michael Jackson, Mr. T, who saw all the Make-A-Wish kids during the 80s and 90s. I had a kid there that was in, in rough shape. He, the EMTs were with him, and he was on a stretcher. And, you know, his, his body odor and stuff, it had a, a smell to it that I, I hadn't smelled in a while. Not bad, but it was just a different type of smell. What's that smell? And I really wasn't sure what it was, and the parents were freaking out. They were whole maniacs. And I told the doctors and the EMTs, you know, the, the kid's in kind of trouble here, you know. So let me say my goodbyes and give him a hug and kiss him. And... and I got a nice place for him out at ringside at Wembley Stadium. It was all roped off. So I went to wrestle, and I kept looking. I kept looking, and the kid wasn't there. So when I came back from wrestling, I was the last person to wrestle the main event. I said, what happened to the family out there? And they said, oh, the kid passed away. <laughs> so when I found out the kid passed away, my manager, Jimmy Hart, the mouth of the South, he used to be in a band, too. And he had a couple of number one hit songs here in the States. And I played music before. So we stayed up all night, and we wrote 12 songs for the kid's family. And I didn't know anybody in the UK, and Jimmy um, knew somebody from Select Records, and he, they got a home hold of Simon Cowell. He produced a little album for us, and it went number one on Billboard for eight weeks, and we gave, donated the money to the family. And then Simon came back to me and said, we need to do the song with a band called Green Jelly over in the UK, and something called Leader of the Gang, a Gary Glitter song. 
And so that did really well on Billboard too. So when I came back to the States, I had the crazy idea since I was wrestling, maybe we should do music here. So I grabbed Cindy Lauper and Rick Derringer and a bunch of people and we recut a bunch of songs, Land of a Thousand Dances and stuff. And Simon came over and helped produce the wrestling album. Then he came and produced the second wrestling album, Power Driver, and he never left. He stayed here and he became this monster producer and nicest guy in the world. He plays a tough guy on TV, but he's a real sweetheart. Yeah. In person, he's a really nice guy. So, oh, you know, it's, was... it's amazing because I watch him on America's Got Talent, you know. So, it's and, all a pantomime, is it? Well, he's doing the, the character, you know, he's doing the, the Simon Cowell up there, you know, with the stern face, but in real life, he's a real sweetheart. Okay. So, we have to analyze all of this, okay? I wanted to, but you took the girl off my screen. Ah, stop it. I was doing research, goddammit. <laughs> I wanted to do a deep dive. <laughs> Leave that poor girl alone. How about that? Okay. Go ahead. So, the, it is, okay. so, there's bits of truth in here, but where Hulk Hogan fucks things up is the timeline, okay? Yeah. So... He says that he wrestled and main evented in Wembley, which he did, okay? But whenever anyone thinks of Wembley, they think of SummerSlam 92. That's Wembley Stadium, not Wembley Arena, which is the little 2,000-seat jobber next to it, right? Okay. In September of 1994, Hogan did main event that on a UK tour for WCW. So there's truth there. There's a piece of truth. So then he talks about meeting Simon Cowell and doing the wrestling album and gets together with Green Jelly. Now, Hulk Hogan gets together with Green Jelly to do that song a year before this happens. <laughs> okay. Okay. Now, Hogan has told this story before about the kid. This kid is the inspiration for Hulkamaniac in Heaven. <laughs> okay so the the in the past it was just a random make-a-wish kid and now it's a kid who's there and dies at the building okay yeah dies in the front row watching the wrestling <laughs> right dies in the front row in a special roped up off section that hulk hogan had for him right yeah and then Hogan says, we go from this, which is happening in 1993 and 1994, that he then brings Simon Cowell to the United States to retroactively produce the 1985 wrestling album and the 1987 Piledriver wrestling album. Yeah. Neither of which Simon Cowell had anything to do with. <laughs> they were produced by Rick Derringer and David Wolf. So, basically what you're saying is Terry is the worst Time Lord out of all the seasons of Doctor Who. Okay, there was another one that was going around that he talked about um, on Joe Rogan. This was one of the other clips um, where he says that, and I'm paraphrasing this, I'm not going to track down the clip for this one, but he paraphrasing it, he says that when Brock left UFC to come back to WWF. Oh God! Hulk, Hulk was the first one that Brock wrestled. Was it Cena? It was Cena. 
it was okay. First of all, it was Cena. Yeah. So so second of all, let's say okay. Well, maybe Hogan is conf- confusing like UFC and OVW. Or, that makes more sense, but even then it wasn't his first match. But even then, from Brock's debut to his match with Hogan doesn't happen to like five months after his debut. Yeah, I thought you were about to say that with, your sentence was going to be when Brock left the US, UFC, that Hulk Hogan was the first person that Dana White contacted to take his spot in the UFC. <laughs> no. <laughs> Which is not far-fetched. For Terry to say it's not out of the realm of possibilities for bad Terry to say, right? Yeah, but to go through it's it's one of those things where I wish there was a more comprehensive log of Hogan's lies. And like, here's this two minute clip of Hulk Hogan telling a lie. Okay, now here's a three page dossier that picks it apart and says, okay, well, this happened here, and this happened here, and this happened here, and this happened here. So these are events that actually did happen, but Terry is taking, like, seven stories and putting them all together as one story. I mean, if there's any money in it, I can look into this being my new job. (laughs) If, well, again, there is money in it, I don't know, you could put it behind the Patreon and get people to subscribe to it. Um, (laughs) but I think what's going, and you you could say, especially today with Hogan giving these interviews, it's like, okay, maybe he's starting to lose it. Maybe he's starting to go a little senile. But he's been telling lies like this for the last 25 years. Yeah. So it, and the lies change. And I know we kind of got off the subject of things, but I, I would be remiss not to say that my favorite um, Hulk Hogan lie is an underrated one. That says after WrestleMania, the first WrestleMania, he went to Studio 54 and partied with Jim Belushi. Was probably Jim Belushi had been dead for at least two years at that point. He partied so hard that he saw Jim Belushi. <laughs> Maybe. Like, and, and the easiest one is that, you know, like the, 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 the shorthand one is WrestleMania 3, Andre the Giant weighed 900 pounds. He was going to shoot on Hogan during the match. He body slammed Andre, tore every muscle in his back, and Andre died the next day. It's such a great collection of words in a small, concise package. It's it's you know? unbelievable. <laughs> also, if anybody knows who that muscle and fitness interview girl is, let me know. You could work on that for the grease room, right? <laughs> Maybe. All right, Ed does back. have one. It does have one last call. I, I brought her back up so you could look at her. Thank you. All right, last call. Uh, hey, Joan Adam, it's Ed. Uh, so the SRS uh, doing lines of coke on the live stream thing. Um, I'm going to read this tweet off to you, and I think I think you, Joe, are a pretty good judge of uh, my character and how my brain works, yes. more so than me sometimes, so I want to know. Okay. People keep talking to me about the SRS doing coke thing, and it's like, fuck, I want his life, I think. Like, you get to be chronically online, be super annoying on Twitter, talk about wrestling all day, and do big old lines of coke during streams, sign me up. So, like, right? That's I would love that, right? But at the same time, I would never want to be Sean Ross Sapp. What's he, what's he doing? What is it? What, how's the boat? Because um, I don't get it, and it's turning my brain to think about, and I don't uh, want to... 
because hopefully someone else could figure it out for me. Why, like, that sounds like the perfect life. But at the same time, I'd never want to be Sean Ross Sapp. It seems miserable. Um, help me out. Okay, bye. Well, that was directed to you, so go ahead, Joe. I, I think, Ed, looking at it with Ed's brain, that makes a lot of sense. But when you look at the whole picture of who and what Sean Ross Sapp does, um, there's... There are people who are terminally online, and he is one of them. And very few people who are terminally online turn that into a successful something. And Sean Rossap has. You know, Adam, you mentioned it before, that he's made enough connections in the wrestling business that he got to, like, interview Cody, you know, at SummerSlam. You know, like, he got, like, a 30-minute interview with Cody. Like, to get that unbelievable access means something, right? Yeah. But he spent a good two hours this morning fighting with multiple people, myself included in (laughs) regards to the video that he, that Ed was talking about where he goes off camera. And again, untrained eye, it certainly looks like he's doing Coke, but then I get my DMS filled as I find out that I'm blocked by Sean Ross Sapp now, because I follow Kurt of the stink sheet, definitely not of Hayabusa, which had a new episode this week because Kurt will never be allowed on the show. Nope, never. Uh, never. Where Sean Ross app is, I have to wake up to my wife's boss contacting her, asking why her husband is doing drugs on TV. Oh, Eric, can I say, if that was true, which it's not. It's not. The, the wife should say, none of your fucking business, my husband doesn't work for you. Right. But it's not true, so it doesn't matter. You know? Right. So who's a bigger liar, Hulk Hogan or Sean Ross Sapp? Go. Hulk Hogan. All right. It's not even close. The body of work. You know, you'd have to work for, like, Sean Ross Sapp, if he put in this effort for, like, the next 40 years, he might have the body of work of Hulk Hogan, but it's not close. So after this comes up, Sean Ross Sapp spends no less than two hours in that group that I'm in of people conversating back and forth about this blocking and unblocking and pulling stuff out and taking screenshots and quote tweeting them and then reblocking them and then DMing them. His life is a hell. <laughs> if but I feel you like could, Ed if wants you, that hell though. But I think there's a there's a mix where if you could figure out how to do all of those things that we see on the public facing side where he gets to meet cool wrestlers, he gets to do internet shows, he gets to have a dog and a wife and do cocaine, like that's good stuff. But yeah. if you could eliminate the vanity searching and the constant blocking and unblocking and blocking of people, but I think once you get to that point of internet celebrity, you can't help but do that sort of thing. I think you need to have that part of your brain taken out, you know? And mm-hmm. obviously, I'm different than anyone else. Sean Ross, and I'll, listen, I'll say, Sean Ross Sapp blocked me, and then he unblocked me to direct message me about whatever this was, right? Okay. And I said back to him, as you can see here, I'm sure I'm blocked again, but good luck out there. People are vicious on the internet, but toothless, right? And this is where he says, I was woken up by my wife, whatever, whatever, right? Yeah. Um, but what I'm saying is, and then I tried to reply to him, and I saw that I could no longer send messages to the, this person. 
And then he quote tweets me when we were talking about the pro wrestling tease thing. And real quick, I'm like, oh, if he's quote tweeting me, that means he must have unblocked me. I'm going to go in there and I'm going to block him so he can't block me back. And I have that power over him. Right. And that that must have eaten him alive. The fact that I was able to get in there before he was able to reblock me. (laughs) This is why I stay off of Twitter. I honestly, I, I go in once a week. I look at Ed tweets and then I leave. That's Those are the only tweets you really need to look at, you know. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah. Um, well, thanks, Ed. Thanks, Ed. Hey, that was all. Uh, that was all the calls. Uh, thanks everyone who called in. Yep. Um, I'm glad we were able to kind of turn the show around a little bit here. Um, Patreon. We still have the Patreon show uh, later on tonight. Obviously, no new homework because it's a pay per view this weekend and the weekend after that. And if I look at the schedule, maybe the weekend after that. No. Uh, so there's, and again, so uh, next weekend, there's two pay-per-views, WWE Payback and AEW All Out are next weekend. Well, that's not even fair. I should get a week off afterwards to recuperate. Right. And well, then we get a month off with no pay-per-view. So homework will be back in like two weeks, right? Oh, I'm gonna raise the price of the Patreon if I have to do four shows. <laughs> and I did, as we were recording, I did get confirmation from Hollow Wicked that we will be recording uh, our podcast next Saturday. Oh, all right, nice. Yes, I, I I contacted him to see what his schedule looked like. Obviously, my schedule is free and clear. I got nothing going on. He said he's free next Saturday, so that's when we'll be recording. So it'll be a much quicker turnaround time on that. All right, I won't even sit on this one for a while. I'll just put it right out. There you go. <laughs> <sighs> All right, um, anything else to plug? So the homework, it's the episode of Thunder. Obviously, go sign up for the Patreon, get a little bit more information about that. Um, pigskin Pickums going on over at longboxheroes.com. So it's, it, it technically should be renamed to Soon to Be Named Network. Yeah, um, glory hounds. Well, listen, it's been going on. Been, it's in its eighth illustrious year. I don't want to hear it, right? Yeah. Don't look at my picks. Oh my! <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna copy you. I want to win this year, so I'm gonna copy you. But I would say we have a good chunk of people in. I can't uh, count them all, but we got a, a ton in. There's still about two weeks left before the regular season uh, goes in. Like I said, if you go to longboxheroes.com or whatever it is. Um, I know the Longbox Heroes account tweets it out as a reminder and will tweet out reminders to do your picks and everything, but it's just a straight pick. Go against the other people on the soon-to-be-named network shows. Go against listeners to the soon-to-be-named network show. Let's all compare and contrast. And uh, just like uh, Todd says on After Dark this week, if he wins uh, the fantasy draft, everyone that he beats can't watch football anymore. If I beat you in the pickums, then you can't watch football anymore because I know more about football than you, and I don't even like football. Yeah, and Joe, since uh, all of our shows are all like as you like to say, there's no, there's very little crossover from show to show. This was addressed briefly on After Dark. Would you like to address the fact that we had in the the soon to be named network Discord the selection? by you of who drafts where in the soon to be named network draft. And I was picked number one. So I get the right. number one overall pick. And there is a lot of accusations. People are accusing you of colluding with me. Would you like to, uh, you know, address that? So let me say this. Uh, let me say this. 
son of a bitch. If he ties this to the Axis Chemicals job, if he ties to the Axis Chemicals job, we're dead and buried. Anyway, um, so again, you say there's a lot of people that are, uh, um, whatchamacallit, so DJ says that if it was anyone but me, he'd rage quit. Uh, DeWiki says, I know that uh, Joe is unassailable, and I had to look that up to make sure he wasn't um, uh, insulting me, right? Uh, He does mention what a great smile you have, and I say it would, and I couldn't tag anyone in there, um, but it said that it would be be great behind a potato filter. um, And that was really it. That was only the real. That's that's two eighths of the league. That's a high, that's a big percentage. Right, but again, anybody but Joe pulling those names, I would rage quit. So again, we're safe. And then um, again, DeWiki having some fun there at our expense. I don't think anyone was really upset. And I'll say, if they were, I said, I, I, I attempted to absolve you of any sort of things um, and say, if you have any concerns, don't take it up with Adam, take it up with me. Um, as we started the thing, I didn't even know how the draft was going to go. I didn't know that it was going to be first pick to last pick um, or last pick to first pick or whatever it was. And then at the point where Adam says, if I get number one, I'm probably going to have such anxiety like, did I set it up because I knew that? And, <laughs> or was Adam lying? Um, I don't so know. I think you're all thinking too much about this. Yeah, this thing goes all the way to the top, this conspiracy. I say, no matter what part you're picked at, if you're so good and confident in what your picks are, then you're going to win regardless, right? Yeah, I mean, that's what a non-coward would say. Right, you know? and when Adam screenshots after he wins him sending me my 25% vig then <laughs> exactly but cheap plug this monday is the soon to be named network draft all the participants will be on a skype call we're going to draft the whole the whole thing you know it's going to be one long recording and it'll be up on patreon for free if anybody wants to listen to it so and that's obviously myself todd Brett, DJ, Marcus, Tim, Ronald, Two Legs, and DeWiki. So all the stars are here. Uh, and last but not least, or last but double last but not least in my section of the plugs, uh, IWTV, a.k.a. Jerry's Internet Wrestling Emporium. Lots and lots of great indie uh, shows going up there all the time. Uh, live shows, old shows, back catalogs of stuff. Use the promo code at odds if you're a new subscriber. Let's Jerry know that you came to him from us. And uh, we get a little bit of a kickback if you stick with him uh, there. T Public Store sale is going on as we speak until the weekend is over. 35% off. Get at odds with wrestling. Soon to be named network. All sorts of inspired shirts, designs, etc. Like I said, 35% off. And we're about three weeks away from the next LVAC show, Steel Stack Smackdown 2. So far, the only match announced, Matt Mikowski and Hot Sauce Tracy Williams taking on Delirious and Frightmare. That should be a hell of a contest. I'm glad to see Mikowski back after taking some time off. Hot Sauce is one of my all-time favorites. Delirious and Frightmare are awesome to begin with. Lots and lots of names have been announced, but this is the only match announced. Um, I think... Tickets are going fast, and if you wait until the week of, I think they're like $5 more or something. Uh, $10 more. $10 more, even worse. So get your tickets now. Um, yeah, that's it. That's all I got on plugs. All right. Uh, I will plug, I guess, the following podcast that you should listen to, Longbox Heroes, Longbox Heroes After Dark, We Need Wrestling, Porch Talk, Viewer's Choice, Indie Wrestling Guide, 
Wings on Wings, Hiya Bussy, which, as you said, has a new episode to drop today. Ed, you can't compete with us. Drop a couple days later or a couple days before, you jerk. And I, lastly... I, I, I have to interrupt your plugs here. <clears throat> Absolutely not. Hiya Bussy comes out whenever Hiya Bussy comes out. <laughs> it's no, There's no rhyme or reason to it, man. I don't want it to be on a schedule. I don't care if it competes with everything else in the world. Whenever Hiya Bussy comes out, that's when that's its release date. All right. We're competing with Ed. Every podcast that, that we put out for the history of this show, could there be a Hayabusa coming out this week? <laughs> we can't think like that. People, they, they get the notification on their podcatcher or on their RSS feed. They're like, a new episode of Ad Odds dropped. I think I'm going to listen to it. And they're like, oh, but what if? An episode of Hayabusi comes out. Oh, I can't take the risk. I'll just wait for Hayabusi. <laughs> Listen. Also, final wrestling place. I need anabolic steroids from this doctor right now. <laughs> anabolic steroids is a logical next step. I had that queued up when I was recording with Marcus and Brett the other day, and I forgot to play it. I feel oh! so... Anyways, on to the best part of the show, Joe. All right. Some might cost a little. Some might cost a lot. But I'm the $100 Vansky. And your figures will be bought. Joe, I'm going to have to reach out to DeWiki, maybe forward over some of that Patreon money. I need a separate jingle for grease purchases because my first purchase this week was the McFarlane Movie Maniacs, one of 5,000 Jumanji Ruby Roundhouse figure, which is Karen Gillan. Uh, I, I would only know that because I saw the movie. Uh, you can't tell by the figure's face because it definitely isn't Karen Gillan. Uh, but it's close enough, in my opinion. And I'm like, all right, I need a, I need a Ruby Roundhouse figure. So I had to pre-order the, that. The face? The face. Yeah. Uh, I mean, from the neck down, the likeness is spot on, I'll just say. But uh, everything else is, is pretty bad. But yeah, I pre-ordered that. Uh, I was going to pre-order from Entertainment Earth, but it actually sold out really quick, so I had to do it through Amazon. I'm a little worried it's going to get destroyed, but we'll see. Do the other, and again, I don't even think you would have looked at these things, but do the other Jumanji figure likenesses match who they're supposed to be? I think what's The Rock and Jack Black? The Rock, Jack Black, and uh, I was uh, the, 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 the tiny, tiny black dude who's high-pitched uh, voice. Kevin Hart. Kevin Hart, yeah. Uh, they'll I know the those are the other four those are the four figures in the assortment. The Rock looks spot on. The Jack Black uh, looks good. Um, I don't know about the Kevin Hart. I didn't take a good look at the figure. I was just wondering if this Karen Gillan was like intentional that she didn't want to like do the scan for it. They didn't want to pay her for the likeness, or they just did a bad scan. I I, I don't know. I mean, it might just be a bad scan. She has Doctor Who figures, you know. Mm. Those are fine. Gotcha. Did you buy anything, Joe? I did. Uh, so it's something that I should have bought a long time ago. And by a long time ago, I mean months and months ago. And I kept waiting, and I kept waiting. And now, granted, there was a couple times when I tried to buy them, they were out of stock. But 
I noticed recently, and I'm glad that I waited. Okay. Yeah. Um. Obviously, uh, the Twitter account Yeah Movement has doing been have been doing a lot of good. Has been doing a lot to get the word out about one of our favorite wrestlers, and because they became like such a kind of a phenomenon sensation or whatever, they got accepted to be part of like Shop WWE's like affiliate thing. Okay. So they were able to get an affiliate link for WWE Shop. So if you purchase something through their link, they get a little bit of a kickback, which I feel, you know, is just desserts because they've done a lot to help bolster this. And I finally bit the bullet. Unfortunately, it will not be here in time for this Sunday, but I purchased the LA Night shirt, the black (laughs) with the thing that says, yeah, and it has the logo on the sleeve and everything else like that. Uh, I did not get the, I would have liked to get the yellow, but me and a yellow shirt is not a good combination. (laughs) Um, Like the sun is falling out of the sky. (laughs) Yes, exactly. And uh, it is the first WWE shop shirt that I've purchased since I purchased the uh, Broski and Hawkins uh, win or lose, never defeated shirt. <laughs> Which I love when I see you wearing that. I'm like, haha, you're wearing a Broski shirt. <laughs> I'm I'm wearing it today. That's why I mentioned it. You know. Oh, nice. Um, I, do first... put, I do put black electrical tape over the Broski stuff. Yeah, that, yeah. that's just rude. Um, <laughs> Well, I'll just say, first question, uh, the Yeah Movement, since they have the affiliate link, uh, would you say that they get a cut of the fucking money? They get a cut of the fucking money, man. All right, nice. Um, Other thing is, I'm a little worried that you waited this long because WWE, whether it be back in the day when they handled their own shit or even now at Fanatics, like, they're really bad at just, like, okay, we're just going to completely abandon this style. It's just not available anymore. And then, like, maybe you won't have an LA Night shirt for a couple weeks, and then here's another one. Like, you got to grab the shirt that you like because it's not like I, – I, I don't want to give any credit to any of the other companies. But, like, the ones that just make the shirt after you order it, like, they're evergreen. They're always going to be available. So it's like I'm I'm happy the one you wanted was still available is what I'm getting at. Yeah, like, I probably would have got the the one that just, like, has the big L.A. on it as well, you know? Yeah. Um, But, like I said, as you see it there, like, I, I think that one looks really cool. Like I said, I like the yellow with it as well, but – like I said, me in a yellow shirt is not a recipe for anyone. <laughs> um, I, I will say, though, ordering this being the first time that I've ordered something from them in quite some time, when you uh-huh. go through the checkout and everything, it defaults you to the expedited $16 shipping. Oof. Yeah. So be careful. Um, so, yeah, it looks like the one that just says the L, like the big L.A. night is not in stock currently. Uh, but the other ones are, this one's okay, don't love it. Um, you know, they have the signed ones and everything. Mm-hmm. And if this was not a snapback hat, if this was a fitted hat, I absolutely would have gotten that as well. Yeah, I mean, that's, <laughs> that is a cool hat. <clears throat> right, because I got a big um, fat head and uh, snapback, like the tensile strength of my head trying to keep a, a snapback hat on it, like I rip the holes on it, right? <laughs> I got a okay. big fat head. I I know what I you know I know what I got to do. I always I always felt bad like during the time when like guys would get like merch like there was a period of time when like Chikara got a distributor to do like fitted hats and then like a bunch of other guys got fitted hats. This would have been in, like oh six or oh seven, let's say. Yeah. And um, 
then something happened. They lost that distributor, or they decided to go with like the snapback hats. And I'm like, oh, I'd love to support you. I really like the design, but I can't get a snapback hat. They're they're too small for my fat head. You know, they they need to make. And this is uh, if this does not exist, if it doesn't exist, uh, we need to cut this out of the podcast because again, this is gonna be my next opportunity. Uh, like extensions that you can clip on the back. You know how like they haven't. In- in cars, like the seatbelt extensions, if you're large in stature, yeah, uh, they need to have one of those, but for a snapback hat. It's really just like the same thing. It's just a little portable one that you snap on to make a hat bigger. I I like that idea, but what ends up happening is then then like because those snapbacks are fitted a certain way, and then once you start to go like to the last holes or go beyond those holes, uh-huh. then like the hat looks weird. Like, it's, like, the proportions of the hat don't look right, you know? I mean, if you're worried about looking weird and having proportions not look right, you shouldn't be on the last one. Touche, right? <laughs> yeah. You make a good point, uh, but there's there's many a snapback hat that I have where it's like, okay, this is the perfect fit for my head. I have to pinch it, and then I scotch tape it or electrical tape it together and hope All for the right. best. I bought a fitted hat from, I think, I don't know if I mentioned this. I bought a fitted hat from the Rail Riders, and it's it was too small when I got it home. And I was like, I should have tried this on in the store. <laughs> and I was like, okay, maybe if I shave my head, it'll fit. Because, you know, I was just maybe in between shaves. And I did, and it fits good. But as soon as my hair starts growing back, like, if I have, like, three days growth, I can't wear the hat anymore. <laughs> well, okay, so what you need to do is, and I'm not, I'm, listen, I'm not, you might think I'm joking. Get, like, a heavy ball, Okay. Okay. Uh, you know, I gotta call up Jungle Boy. Call well, he's got enough to spare. (laughs) But like, like a like a basketball, uh, something that would like a bowling ball would be the best thing, right? But something heavy that fits in the hat and kind of like position the hat in a way where you're letting the the ball stretch the hat out a little bit for you. Uh Because there's certain fitted hats that are like fitted, fitted, and then you get those flex fit ones that give you a little bit of room to play with. Yeah, it's a flex fit. Yeah, oh my goodness, and it's a flex fit, and it doesn't hit you? That must be like a baby hat, then. I think I got, like, the medium large, and I should have got the large, extra large. Always go large, extra large. Always yeah. go large, extra large. Ah, uh, rookie mistake. Yeah. All right, so I made a purchase, actually, a couple hours ago. Uh, I pre-ordered the Will Ospreay Micro Brawler. I'm sorry. I like Will Ospreay. Mm-hmm. I don't care. Yeah. And Joe, I should have saved this for the podcast, but my excitement at the time could not be contained because last Friday or Saturday, I think it was Saturday, I went on a doll safari to my local Target, which never, ever, ever has anything good that I want. I'm always picking up... uh, Target Legends for for everybody else and maybe the occasional ultimate for myself. But I walk into the toy aisle. I I first thing I'm just well, let me look at the WWE figures because I I don't even give much attention to the one or two AEW figures that are there. It's generally like Chuck Taylor or Nyla Rose or uh, something like that. Uh, so I'm looking at the WWE figures, flipping through the Legends of like oh no D'Lo chases nothing here. And then I start to kind of walk away and I look at the AEW section, Joe, and there's two AEW figures on the peg. But the one in the front 
is a one of 3,000 Chris Jericho chase. Oh, get the hell out of here. I think I saw you tweet about that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. For the first time, after thousands of doll safaris, and I'm probably not exaggerating, over the last couple of years, I finally found an AEW chase in the wild. When I saw it, I literally went, <gasps> like I get one of those little gasps, and I grabbed it, and I took it off the shelf, and I'm like, took a second to process, and then I do the thing where I look around and I make sure nobody's around me, and then I put it back on the peg and took the picture. <laughs> but the whole time I'm, like, boxing out to make sure nobody comes over and tries to grab it. But, yeah, I was pumped. Like, again, I don't really care who it is. Like, I've never found an AEW chase. Like, I I own a couple, but I've all bought them, like, eBay or the major group or whatever. But to have finally found one, I was, like, super pumped. Yeah, so, that's uh, awesome. I should have saved it for the show, but I was just all like happy and I immediately put it in the Discord, you know? No, I get you. And you said that was your target down your way, right? Yeah, it was a Dixon City target. Okay. But it was it's the the Jericho. I thought it was Painmaker at first, but it's just spiky jacket Jericho. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but awesome. And like I remember I'll never forget the story online a couple it must have been about a year or so ago, where people were ordering Darby's from GameStop and like multiple people were getting the chase when they were ordering online for the Darby, you know? Yeah, and they were like, oh man, I wanted to get one for my kids, so I ordered another one and they sent me another chase. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I'm shocked that with, you know, and it sounds like there was like an assortment that got put out of the pegs. Yeah, and I think the one behind it was just, like, it could have been, like, Lance Archer from, like, four years ago. Or, you know, whatever. It was something that's been there for a while. But go ahead. Yeah, but it's it's odd that there was an assortment that got put out on the pegs, and the chase was the only thing that was left. You know what? I was thinking about it, and you make a very good point. I was thinking about it, like, the next day. I can almost see that an employee had one hidden somewhere like in the warehouse in an office a break room or something like that with the intention of buying it and somebody else was like all right fuck that it's going back out because that's the only reason i can i can imagine a single chase figure being put out there or maybe a customer hid one in like the baby section or something like that and they're like oh i'll come back when i get paid so i'm gonna hide it because i'm a scumbag and then an employee found it and just walked it over and put it on the where it belonged you know why those two scenarios i'll hide it and tell him tell my friend it's for him and then i'll call my dad and he'll go get them right (laughs) well that's perfectly logical behavior Uh let's not try to 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 cast any kind of accusations. Come on, man. It's supposed to be nice today. <laughs> uh-huh. Well, I, listen, I don't know who you're talking about. Yeah, no, I know. Uh, Do you uh, buy anything else? Eh, the only other thing I got was for my kid. The new Pokemon set pre-release or pre-orders came up this week. Um, and they do this all. They, they'll do this every once in a while when there's a new set. There'll be two different variants. It'll be like the red or the blue or the yellow and the like, you know, the purple and the red or the, whatever it is. And he had wanted the one that was more dragon themed as opposed to the one that was more fairy themed in the hopes that his favorite would have like the rare or the chase card. And when it got announced that the pre-orders went live for two days, the one that he wanted was listed. as unavailable. 
and it would be like you would hover over it and it would say that it was available and you'd try to add it to your cart and it would fail. I'm like, okay, well, let me try to do it from a different browser. Let me try to do it from my phone. From my phone, I get all the way to checkout. I put my payment information in. I hit the thing and it says, oh, there was a problem with your order. So I'm like, God damn it. Did this thing sell out that quickly? It was like two days. And it was like with getting the ferry for Pikachu last weekend. I just kept, I would just check it every hour. I'm like, okay, can I get through the whole process to get it in there? Can I get through the whole process? And then it was finally on the third day of the pre-order being live. I'm like, okay, both of them are here. I can get the one in, add it in my cart. I can get through the registration and get through the billing. I can get through the payment option. Can I get to hit confirm? And I finally got it to go through. So my kid was happy because he's going to get the one that he wants. Oh, nice. And that's the first time of ordering Pokemon stuff that I ever had an issue like that with their website. Okay. Like, I had thought that, like, because I know, like, Mr. Tim had, like, was collecting Pokemon stuff, and he had adventures and difficulties, but I didn't know if it was the website or just general rarity or whatever, you know? I, I think a lot of it is general rarity. I know he was talking about those Squishmallows and stuff, and that yeah. was one of those ones where, you, for the two that came out, you had a 25-minute window. Gotcha. You know, and I, I think I got in on like 12 minutes. So I was able to get my kid the one that he wanted and, you know, he hit it, gave him it for Christmas and everything else like that. And that was one of those ones where like it hits the site, then it starts hitting like all your, you know, uh, pre-attorneys and Wario 64 and like all those aggregator accounts. Yeah. And then by the time it starts hitting those um, and you click the link from them. You know, it's all for stuff like that. Sometimes it's always best to follow like the the dedicated Pokemon accounts as opposed to the ones that like aggregate like every pop culture thing. Yeah, is it, it takes a while for it to hit. You know, yeah. they're just getting the ones that cover everything are just following all the individual ones. You yep. know, so uh, and then it, t- it takes a minute for them to maybe. Uh, assign their affiliate links when applicable, yep. that kind of stuff. Yeah, right. And that's the other thing too. So, like the the two to follow would be Pokey Beach and Celebi.net, and like the the Twitter account, like the website is Celebi.net, but the Twitter account is Celebi.net as well. Um, mm-hmm. Those are like the two Pokemon specific ones. So, if you're really looking for Pokemon stuff, like follow those, and you're gonna get the notifications like the second those things hit the site. You know. Yep. All right, that's it for you? That's it for me, man. All right, I got one last thing. Um, we've talked before about the sometimes when you have an eBay save search go off and you get the thing you want, sometimes you leave the save search up, and that is something that I did. Uh, if you remember a couple months ago, I was fortunate enough to acquire a uh, original Chikara uh, merch table boar proletariat uh, proletariat boar of moldova mask uh so i actually save i kept the save search up you know not knowing what i would find you know just whatever and just keep the net in the water if some fish swim in we'll, we'll see what we caught and uh earlier this week somebody put up a dasher hatfield mask and I added it to my watch list, and it was just me and one other guy watching it. And he put in a uh, a minimum bid, and you know I just kept watching it. And then with like ten seconds left, I went in and I bid on it, and I got it for a real good steal. So I now own a very good professional wrestling souvenir, and I'm going to add that to my merch table Chikara mask collection. That's now two masks. Uh, has the mask come in yet, or no? 
No, um, it the auction ended two days ago, and the guy just shipped it like yesterday. Gotcha, because I know you had sent it to me a while ago, asking if it was like a sh- a working mask or a, a merch mask, and I'm like, that's a merch mask. No, no, my question for you, uh, you oh. might have misunderstood me then. I was asking, uh, is this from the merch table, or was does this look like just a custom? Oh, because, okay, okay. I thought you meant like it. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I got you. Yeah, because I didn't want like, oh, somebody is making them on Etsy now, like or something mm-hmm. like that. Like I wanted, I, I have no desire in buying like one that was used because I don't want to spend a lot of money. You know, I just wanted like, could I have bought this if I went to a Chikar show 15 years ago? That's the mm-hmm. thing that's appealing to me, you know? Right, right. Yes, yes. And it was, and it was. Yeah, so that's all I'm looking for is like, is it like, "Quote unquote vintage merch," you know that that's those were my caveats. Yeah, I just didn't want to buy something that some lady is crocheting or knitting this weekend. You know, <laughs> for sure. But yeah, it's cool. I'm gonna. I gotta go and buy one of those little foam, not Al Snowheads. Uh, and you know, for when this mask comes in, I'll be up to two. And who knows? Maybe if I see some ant ones from back in the day, I might pick those up. And I, yeah, I might have a fire ant one laying around here. <gasps> I don't know. it's 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 a kid's one so it's tiny you know well that's that's a good placeholder (laughs) all right we'll talk talk. i i I gotta look for it my kid don't care for it you know what i mean and what am i gonna do with it (laughs) i will find i will see if they sell little kid mannequin heads which would be very creepy but uh i'm committed to the bet one last thing that i would have mentioned here in weekly purchases yep I'm reading a tweet from May 22nd, which, if I do my gazintas, is a little over three months from today. Okay. Okay. It says, Heels and Faces Series 2 shipping update. They are wrapped up and leaving our overseas factory the week of June 12th. They will arrive approximately four to eight weeks after that via boat, depending on port congestion. (laughs) Now... If I look at June 16th, and I even go the eight weeks from June or June 12th, rather, and if I go the eight weeks from June 12th, we're about two weeks past that, right? Yeah. Now, I don't know what port these are coming into, but I happen to be on the ocean and waterways of New York this past weekend, and there wasn't a lot of congestion that I saw. <laughs> you, were, you were doing a journalism at the, at the port? Well, I love the... Uh, the Johnny Gargano says figures leaving factory in late July. Like that's also like, sure. <laughs> what, what, what's going to happen first? People get those figures or Johnny shows up on TV again. Oh, <laughs> uh, uh, I, I love how, like, I don't even know. I don't even want to go into this, but like everybody is just like, okay, zombie there. He's the guy. All these other companies are dog shit. Because like series one eventually came out and the Jarrett, what did it take? 16 months? Uh, yeah. 14? Yeah. 15? Yeah. So, like, the, uh, just, oh, we need to start doing uh, maybe a little bit of a, of a countdown from the pre-order date on those. I will say, 16 months on Double J, Yeah, we're still only at 10 months from the pre-order of Raven, right? Yeah. And technically, or Series 2, Raven, right? Technically, it should be any day now, port congestion. <laughs> we get to October 25th, 2023, and it's been a full year on the pre-order of these ones. 
We'll talk. Yeah. I'm looking because I did pre-order the Gargano, which, like I said, I don't even want it anymore. So I'm going to flip it when I get it. Uh, December 14th, 2022. Okay. So I don't know if that was like towards the end of the pre-order or beginning. I don't know if it doesn't matter, but it was December. It should it should be in t- it should ju- be here in time for Christmas 2023. Yeah, a good solid year turnaround. Exactly. <sighs> all right. Anyways, that's it for me, Joe. Yeah, that's all I got here as well. Um, hey, thanks everyone for listening. Uh, this was episode 256 of At Odds with Wrestling. For Adam, this is Joe saying, be safe out there and enjoy some wrestling. You're listening to the soon-to-be-named network, the Lamborghini of Podcast Networks.